Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Take me to the volcano! It's really called this. You have to ask for the vinegar with the mother in it. Oh, come on. Quit I need, no. Seriously. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and Comac, New York. It is the Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete podcast, New York Sports Talk Nice program. Hi. Welcome to the show. I am Sam Pete, and uh, I'm going to be joined in a second by Cal. He's a co-host of the show. It's exciting. We have a lot of New York sports to talk about. We have a lot of other stuff to talk about. It's no big deal. We're going to talk sports nice. Okay, pour a cup of coffee, get a beer, glass of wine, whatever. It's been a rough day, maybe. I don't know. It's been a rough day on this end. Say that much. And Cal is frantic. Things in the Calvi household right now are the Cal household. The Cal the household is insane right now. It's crazy. Kids running around in the background, dance outfits. I don't know what's going on. I think a Barbie is being sacrificed. I don't know what's happening. It's entirely possible. Anyway, we're going to talk New York sports for the next hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Maybe two twenty. We don't know. So it's Thursday night. It's nine thirty p.m. It is time. We're ready to unload. Hi. Let's bring in the co-host Kel. of the show. That guy. Let's get right to him because he's here. He's here, everybody. I think he's I think he's looking forward to the show. He's just back from an engagement in Vancouver. So he went north of the border. He was in Vancouver. Lovely city. I'm surprised we got him back. I didn't think he'd come back so nice up there. He is Mr. Calneva Calpino Caliente, my partner in crime, Brian Calvi. Bry, you look harried. Nah, I'm good. How was Vancouver? Uh, it's beautiful. What? Uh, what? Who is middling for you up there? What an act you put on up there in Vancouver. Is that an act where you do the dancing? Do you do the dancing in that act? Uh, no, not in Vancouver. They don't like that. They don't go for the soft shoe in Vancouver. No. No, how, about, I, how about if you pop rock? Do they go for that? They love pop rock. The, the Fred Berry? Do they <laughs> go for the rerun? They do love that. Oh, that's good. Because you, you have that in the uh, in the bag of tricks. Except I had forgotten my red beret. Right. 
So you just went with the Raj. You just did the Raj. I did the Raj. You know, a little. It's a little downplayed, but <laughs> they seem to get it. I op- actually opened for Alan Thicke. Nice. Well, that's a big gig. Yeah, it's a huge gig. It was a tough crowd. Senior. And I'm sorry. Senior. Oh, you, yeah. Why? Is there a What's junior? What's his name? Oh, that's Robin Thicke. Oh, right, Robin Thicke. No, he wasn't there. He's not a junior. He's not, they may call him Robin Thicke Jr. Is he is he Alan Robin Thicke? <laughs> Ironically, the show was called Thick of the Night. That's, there's nothing ironic about that. that well, he just wherever anytime he appears somewhere, that's the name of his that's show. That's the name of his show. It doesn't make a difference what he's doing. Live from Vancouver, it's Thick of the Night. Thick of the Night. Doesn't matter. It's really <laughs> doesn't good. matter if he's doing mime. It doesn't matter. It's always called Thick of the Night. If he shows up to read the bingo, <laughs> it's bingo. It's thick in the night bingo at the church. If he's the caller at the bingo, which, by the way, not a bad gig in Vancouver. It'd work if you can get it. Are you able to in Vancouver, especially? They don't play bingo in Vancouver. What do you mean they don't? What are you talking about? They don't. You're telling me they don't play bingo in Canada? No, just not in Vancouver. Oh, my bad. So West, Montreal. It's, it's a Western Canada it. thing, yeah. Right. Montreal, they love bingo. They're nuts for it. Winnipeg. They're lousy with it in uh, Manitoba. I played bingo once in Manitoba. Whew. Did you lose your shirt? I lost my uh, my toque. Mm. I'll tell you that much. Are you able to snap right back into the French-Canadian when you do a gig up in Vancouver? No, I t- it takes a long time to, to work back into it because it's been shunned. I've and, had to... I've had to Keep it far back in the recesses of my, right. my personality. And also, you're only a quarter. I don't say only. Oh. Well, you, is, there, is there another way to quantify it? Well, you're diminishing it. I'm a quarter. You're not only a quarter. Okay. Out of all the the fractions you could be there, you're three quarters Italian. I, no. We have oh, been through this. Right. I forgot. There's like Hungarian in there. there you, aren't not- you Indian royalty as well? It is not that complicated. <laughs> it's not that complex. Thick of the night. Any show he does, Cal. Thick of the night. It's called Thick of the Night. It has now, to be. Now, see, refresh my memory, and maybe this is where we bring in our resident savant right. in all of these matters. He was He was in the show Growing Pains, but he didn't sing the theme to Growing Pains. Did he? Yes, he did. I thought that was... Um, the other one. Aaron Neville? Not Aaron Neville. He does he he definitely sings the theme to Growing Pains. He wrote the theme to Family Ties. That's what I was thinking of. Right. He didn't write this song. This okay. song is called Fearless by Pink Floyd. I guess we <laughs> we don't need to bring PJ in then. Nope. You've answered my question. We're all set. Okay, nope. great. Thanks. That's it. That's it. Got the, the music. Fact of life. Different <laughs> Got the strokes. Music. Wheel of Fortune. I'm sorry. Who Hello, is Larry. That? Stumpers. Who? The Wizard of Odds. Wait, he and sang the, the theme to Wheel of Fortune. Is that Joker's Wild? Yeah. Um, Hi, Peach. We played your intro music. You waited a month to come in on it. Good job, everybody. Y'all were talking. I didn't want to interrupt. Good. He, on the floor. Did he also do the theme to Tic Tac Doe? 
There was no With Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale. They, you know, they announced him like it was an asset. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get jealous, everybody. We've got Wink Martindale here. Eat your heart out. Deal <laughs> with century. That's right. We got Wink Martindale. Was it was it me or was there a Card Sharks reference in Arrested Development in the season four? I don't know. I don't think I've gotten to that yet. No, it's it's early. Is it early? Then I yeah. Didn't... It was like something about winning a car on card sharks or something like that. Like Job was on card sharks. Just wow. that. Just that. that, might, just that, that, that visual alone, by the way. <laughs> What's that, Peach? That might have breezed past me. Did you? Um. Uh. By the way, I know we're we're not doing spoiler alerts and stuff like that. But the Arrested Development. Just let's just check in and see where we are. I'm at episode. I'm through seven episodes. Heading to eight. I'm doing two a weekend, basically. Teresa and I are taking in two a weekend. She's hung it with that's it. Nice. She's hung with it. That's smart. She fell asleep during the second I, George scene. I stopped and I'm catching up on daily shows from May. Because <laughs> I got to so clean the DVR. Hey, I don't <laughs> want a spoiler alert, Peach, but things go radically wrong at the IRS. <laughs> spoiler I alert. A hint. There's a hint of that. Right. I don't want to ruin anything, but the NSA. Ooh, doctor. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so we're, I'm so I'm heading the Job episode. Wow, that's what I keep hearing. I'm not up to that yet. It's unbelievable. It's as good as anything from the original series. I would say that. It was good to see. It's good to see. Cal, where are you? Check. I'm still I'm still at five. I I binged I binged that first night. I did four. When they were released, I've done one do since. One. You gonna do one? Do one. That's a, wow. That's an that's a telling uh, indictment right there. Oh well. You. Or did you just burn out too quickly? Well, there there've been other things that have you know extenuating circumstances. Sure. Have prevented me from being able to sit down and watch a television show. Just just regular circumstances. Why do they have to extenuate? Yeah, that's a good point. Wordsmithing. I was in a cover what? band that covered Rush circumstance. Wait, what? <laughs> was David Coverdale in that band? How are you? No. <laughs> David Coverdale was in a Rush cover band? Yeah. I would pay $800 to see that. He's in every cover band. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Wasn't Whitesnake just a cover band? Basically for Led Zeppelin. Basically, right. what I'm saying. I've been saying it for 20 years. Still of the night is Black Dog. Hello. Okay, you guys. Hey, listen. Wake up. All right? Wake up. This idea that White Snake was not a cover band? I mean, come on. Wake up. All right, America? Wake up. Weren't they a cover band for Sister Shakedown? Sheeple. Wake up. You guys are so good at this now. I know. That's because there's one on my Facebook page every day from some guy maybe I kind of knew in college telling Ooh. me about organic food or something. I don't know. He's just yelling at me to wake up. And it's translated over to sports, too. Now I'm getting yelled at to wake up in sports, too. With the Mets. Oh, nothing's ever going to change. They're the worst team ever. 
Wake up. Okay. Have you been groggy? Yeah, I... Uh, did I... Was I sleeping on the Will Ponds? Don't sleep on the Will Ponds. <laughs> hey, the other, that's the other one. Hey, by the way, guys, as a phrase, don't sleep on is tremendous. Oh, I hate it. Oh, I love it. So played out. So played is out. It? Oh, yes. I've never heard this. Is it... Uh, but is it played out in sports? In sports. Okay. No, I'm. I don't. I go. want it outside of sports. Like you I'll might... say, I'll say it to the wife. Like, hey, listen, don't don't sleep on pizza tomorrow night for dinner. All right, don't see, sleep on it. See, you've got a, you've got that's got a shelf life. That's good. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm mixing it into Peach. Can you you can mix that into like regular? Like, yeah, I want it outside of sports. Tell me how to use this because I'm very curious now. Well, in sports, it's Cal. It's, it's used how in sports. It's don't. It's like don't sleep on a team. Meaning like, don't discount anything. Right. Or a team you, uh, a team or a player you weren't expecting to be good or expecting to do anything. Hey, look at look out! Don't sleep on the Washington Nat. Well, not that. But don't sleep on the Nats. You know they're going to be good this year or something like that. Right. But in other words, like don't confidently disregard something and don't dismiss. Don't dismiss. Give yourself that's, a that's good great. night's sleep on it because you'll wake up disappointed. Exactly. Or have I taken it too far? I think you've gone a little far, but that's okay. I want to work and it don't into make what are you eggs typing seriously. Are you working on a paper? You can you hear that? Yeah. What is what is he, what are you typing? You don't even want to know what that is. What is it? That's my dog running around upstairs. Your dog is typing? She's got a term paper due tomorrow. She's got something due tomorrow. I've lost the thread. <laughs> That's the dog upstairs? The dog is running, or the dog just came in from the rain and is, is out of her mind. She's oh. running around rapidly. It sounds like there's a gerbil trapped in your iPhone. Do I sound like I'm in a newsroom? <laughs> you, just... <laughs> you do. Are you going to break something? This just in, it's raining cats and dogs. Hey! Look what I did. Don't sleep on cliches. Don't sleep on don't sleep on using really old cliches. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater either. Yeah, oh we love that one. You know that. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Teresa, don't sleep on me sleeping in on Saturday till ten o'clock. <laughs> don't sleep on it, because you'll miss it. All right? It's gonna sneak up on you. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys about the time I shot out of the bathtub? In a cannon? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, did you know that a 250-pound man can fly out of a bathtub and go nine feet? I did not know that. I lost my balance in a bathtub that had uh, that has uh, no feet grippies on the bottom. It was just I like, lost you know, my balance in a bathtub or, that or had no feet. Sorry. So you would Snow think Irish you just go down. I went down, but I guess the momentum of my largeness carried me right out of the basin, and I flew naked and soapy right across the bathroom, and I landed uh, all the way by the door. At What? This, what house this is happened. this in? What house? This is the hallway upstairs bathroom of my new fancy house. Of your current house? Yes. When was this? This was... About four, about four hours ago. <laughs> this, 
I could totally this was uh, back in 2005 when I had a, a weak leg, if you remember. I do remember your weak leg. That it no, wasn't I, weak then. I well, it was weak enough that if I didn't pay attention to it, I would lose my balance, and that's what I did. And you shot out of the bathtub, dude. Just picture it. Just picture me flying through the oh, air, looking oh, so amazed. Is it, <laughs> What's that? Does the Benny Hill music play at the same time? <laughs> it happened too fast. <laughs> too fast. It was only right, before you could have gotten around the, the second saxophone note. Tina's in a bikini. Lily's in a Keystone cop outfit. Right. Inexplicably. And Lily and Danny are in cop outfits. Chasing with with fake mustaches. With fake mustaches. The scantily clad woman came over and wagged her finger at me. You look like a night bather. It, it was at night. How did you know it was at night? How did I know it was at night? It was at night, yeah. Because that always happens at night when that you happens. You look like a night bather. Everybody was home and they got to hear it. They they thought like a an airplane had had fallen through the roof. It's it's animal night on RTU. <laughs> right. I had no idea it was bring your pet to the podcast day. This is like That's when they have like to bring the dog like to the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? You had a you had Brain a uh, a little a little Don Rickles in there. What was that? Go on. Go on. Go on. Say what you said. I don't know what I said. Because this is becoming a thing now. See, when I listen back to the podcast, see, see, Cal and I can see each other. We can see when we're talking. Oh, you, my muttering? No, you just drop little lines. They're little gems, and they're just in there. Yeah, that's what your mother said. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about backing up the tractor. That's like... (laughs) You just hear these little, in- and I can't hear them at the time. And then when I'm listening back to the podcast during the week, all I hear, I was like, when did he say that? Oh, that's delightful. <laughs> Climb that mountain anytime. <laughs> Who are you? Is it Don Cornelius? <laughs> yeah, it does sound awfully sexy. Just dropping a mark anytime. Hello, <laughs> uh, Doc. Mm. Anyway. Pillow talk and breathe. And Peach, uh, before we start talking about the sports, I want to play this. I'm going to do this. You guys are going to love this. I hope you like it. Hello there, RTUers. Sam Pete here. Just want to let you know that this episode of Ready to Unload is sponsored by Blue Haven, New York City sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. And next week. Thursday, June the 20th, we're going to be live at Blue Haven again, ready to unload live at Blue Haven. It's going to be awesome, 7.30 p.m. Come on down if you're in the New York City area, 108 Houston, Corner of Houston and Thompson. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the Mets, we're going to talk about the Jets, the Yankees, Giants, there's beers, there's beer specials, there's t-shirts, there's all sorts of stuff. So come on down next Thursday night, June 20th. 2013 at 7.30 p.m. Jay Mafali of the Wind Up Shop is going to be doing sound again. Cal's going to be there. PJ will maybe show up. We don't know. Hope we can see you there. Thanks. And now enjoy the show. So here's the thing. That was supposed to run at the top of the show. I did a little promo there at the top of the show, but then everything just got hairy. 
over here. And uh, but I wanted to make sure you heard. Well, first of all, I want to make sure everybody knew that the episode is once again sponsored by Blue Haven. And then also next week on Thursday night at 7:30 p.m., we'll be live from Blue Haven again, doing uh, a show at our sponsor bar. It's gonna be awesome. But <laughs> I wanted to play that for you. And then as I'm playing it, Cal and I realize, hey, Sam Pete here, but he's not, is he? Well, you are. You're right there. Right. I'm beat here, but that was recorded. It's like, wait, why? I, mean, I hear you, but your mouth's not moving. That was very confusing. Did you like that little promo, Peach? I did, but I also know that you're needling me now. Oh. You want me oh, am to get I? the studio back up and running so that I can do those spots, and you're going to keep showing me these spots that you're doing until I get so angry about them that That's I go great. and build another recording studio. And, and I'm like, working. and and I'm it's just showing you how simple it is. I did that in eight minutes on Audacity. Eight minutes took me. Not even. I think it was actually six minutes. Six minutes took me. That's not bad. Doesn't sound bad, does it? I feel like it would sound much better in a studio. Though. I feel like it would sound considerably better with a professional doing it. As do I. Yes. If only we had a guy, Cal, who had his own studio and was a professional recording engineer. Like a sound expert. Right, who was like a part of the show, who had a vested interest in the podcast. Where can we find somebody like that? I don't know. Maybe put an ad out? Where's the intern? Get the intern. The the intern is is off getting coffee right now. Get the intern in here. Peach, did you run off another intern? I know what you're doing. They never come back. It's crazy. I grind them down and salt them. I know what you're doing, and I don't like it. (laughs) Uh, I can appreciate it without liking it. I do appreciate it. Cal, fully expect to have 18 new sound bites next week. Oh. Like, expect the instant impression. Instant segue. Yowza. That's all of them. It's going to be the most produced show ever. (laughs) It's going to be thick of the night. Let's be honest. I'm booking time at the record plant. (laughs) PG just went out and bought a new board. Because I can't get my own place running. I'm going to go out of pocket. 20 grand. Dave Grohl's going to do a, a documentary about this week for PJ recording these. Right. Sound City 2. <laughs> City 2. RTU. RTU sound bites. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Sound City 2, thick of the night. <laughs> oh, Alan Thick. You know, he's probably still around. He's probably he, still doing stuff. He absolutely is still around, and I heard him. I don't know if I heard him in a radio spot or if he was on TV, hmm. and he... Wonderfully nasally, still. Did he sound? Did he still have it? Oh yeah. That's boy. That's he's David a, Brenner. He's got a project in development called Camp Sunshine. What's oh, that? So he's, that? He's, yeah. He's he plays still, a camp counselor with uh, rowdy kids. Oh boy. Right. And I hope well, so. yeah. They're they're like ne'er do wells that get sent to this camp, but they got a heart of gold, and he kind of his his group of counselors pulls them together. Right? Am I on the right track? It, there's a press photo for it that features Alan Thicke uh, in, a, in a camp T-shirt with a sun visor on, um, 
tied making up. This sort of, making this sort of face that says, what are you doing? Listen, Ben. Yeah. That's not how you behave. That's Seinfeld. I'll find it. Is the face, what are you... <laughs> Is the face "What are you doing?" or more like "What are you gonna do?" <laughs> it's somewhere Kids in the are middle. crazy. It's, yeah, it's on the fence. It's He's holding a hammer too. I think. I think uh-huh. perhaps they're trying to build a camp. There's no project that, information. That makes more sense. In Canada, obviously. Well, where would you go to camp? <laughs> I would go to camp in Canada. <laughs> PJ satisfied with that answer. Listen, Ben. <laughs> Keep trying it. <laughs> Carol. Is it Carol? Tracy Gold was Carol? Yeah, the Seavers. Yeah, thanks. That's <laughs> not how you do a second. I'm trying to find the first name. <laughs> there it is. Peach got it. Thank you, Peach. Can we talk to Alan Thick for a minute? Can you keep it up for a second? I got, I got blue with it. <laughs> Can you keep it up for a second? Listen, uh, Mr. Seaver, it's been a while. Blue. We haven't uh, we haven't spoken yet. How do you feel about uh, your son there, Alan Thick Jr.? No, 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 not, no, Mr. Seaver. I said. Oh, Jason was it Robin? Jason Seaver? We named Mike him after Seaver. a Muppet Frog. There was Mike Seaver, Carol Seaver, Ben Seaver, and Leonardo DiCaprio Seaver. <laughs> Came and along Jason, later on. J- no, J- wasn't his name Jason? Uh, he, the father, Alan Thick, was Jason. Well, that's who we're talking to. But you just you said, how did you feel about your son Jason? No, I said Jason. How did you feel about your son, Jason Seaver? Oh, like you were addressing him. That's correct. What was uh, Joanna Kern's name? Maggie. Maggie Seaver. Boy, terrible job by me. Where did PJ... Wait, PJ, come back. You have to do more Alan Thick. That was fantastic. Hold on. I have a question for Alan Thick, not for even Jason Seaver. I know, because he's getting mad. Alan Thick's getting mad. He's like, I'm not going to do Jason Seaver all night. I never watched the show. <laughs> so listen, uh, Alan, you named your son after a Muppet. Are you proud of your son? Oh, yeah, he's funky. He brings it. He uh, sampled Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, you know. I did not know that. Did he really? He used that in a in a song. He did. Oh yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> God, like how Cal's <laughs> Cal's confirming it. Like Cal's like our fact checker for. I, for what's what up with you and Robin Thicke? You know an awful lot about him. You probably know if it's a Y or an I. Uh, it's an I. Wow. It's two uh, T H I C K E. Did you? Yeah, well, we know the E's there. Don't get don't get greedy. There's no Y. <laughs> no, in Robin. <laughs> Not in Thick. Alan Thick like Patty Smythe. <laughs> you thought I meant in Thick? Listen, Alan no. Thick. Let me ask you a question. Do people Ooh. often spell your last name with a Y? Does that happen a lot? I'm really mentioned. It doesn't come up. I want to. I want to ask you really quickly. Are you a sports fan? Do you like the hockey? We know you're Canadian. 
I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Jay tapped out, Cal. That's it. That was pretty That's good. It. We got four lines out of him. That was pretty good. Round one, Sam Pete. <laughs> one of the longest instants I've ever done. That will, will it cease to be an instant? Yeah, that, that just became an impression. That was just a constant impression. Oh, that's it then. The brand is ruined. Uh, it's ruined. It's ruined. Okay, Peach, we'll talk to you in a bit. We do have a lot to talk to you about. New York sports. New York sports. Well, it's time for New York sports, Johnny Segway, so go for it. Now? Yes, now. Ladies and gentlemen... The big unload. Brilliant. Has that Emmy arrived yet? It's in the mail. They told me it's in the mail. That's the Emmy's what in I the mail. When I said unload. Alan Thick, are you back? We missed you. He wrote so many of our beloved theme songs. Not this one. He did not write this one. I think we all know who wrote this one. Did we, did we go with some big unload music that's not going to cost us a fortune? Would you no. like to do that? We owe a lot of money on that. We do. Here, let's do this one. Back royalties. Whoa. How's that? In your face. We're talking sports. Big unload. I'm ready to unload. What is this? You don't like it. Too bad. What happens when you don't think you're doing a show that night? And that was, by the way, I'll have you know, PJ wrote that song. I'm not making fun of the song. Oh, making fun of it a little bit. No, absolutely not. Are you making fun of its usage? <laughs> I don't know if that was how it was intended when it was written. Not intended that way. For a for a sports talk podcast. RTU Sports with Attitude. I did not write that song. Tom wrote that song. You're absolutely right. I wrote no part of that song except the guitar solo. The guitar solo is hot though. Well, thank you. And it was Wait, mixed Tom- at Dumpling Sound Studios, was it not? It was mixed Proving with Dumpling Sound. that that place really exists. <laughs> right. Mixed by you and well, Alan Thick. Right. He was fixed. He was there the whole time. Fixed. <laughs> hey, Met fans, you suck. <laughs> this is the perfect music for a podcast with attitude. Are you dropping Big Even- Country? <laughs> the top is perfect. Wait, wait. Now it's time for the big unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hey, Mets fans. We're going to talk Will Pond. You suck. And now, your host, Brian Cal Calvi. And Steve Sam Pete San Pietro. And of course, with them as always, Pop Culture PJ. Hey, what's up, jerks? <laughs> Give it away. 
future. That's how co- we are very close to that. In your face. In your Come face. On. Everybody okay. loves sports with attitude. Well, this, this, is, this is good for the big unload because this is something I want to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely want to talk about. Look, there's a lot going on with the Mets. There's a lot going – well, there's what? not a lot going on really? with the Mets. No, there there is. I mean, Ike Davis was sent down. They sent down three. That was the first time they sent down three guys on one day in like 18 years. I mean, it was a big deal. They have hit less than rock bottom. There is now apathy for the team, which is the worst thing. You know, Matt Cerrone keeps texting this or uh, tweeting this great quote about an o- a sports owner's worst enemy is apathy. It's not anger. When there's no anger, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but when there's no anger anymore and the fans don't care, this that's is way worse. Way worse than anger at the team. And the Mets fans have been angry at the team for three or four years consistently. And this year and now, they just don't care anymore. It's apathy and it's bad. I disagree. No, no. When they're at the, I'm talking about when they're at the ballpark. No. There was a great article that the St. Louis Cardinals fan wrote, that great blog post about how Mets fans don't care anymore. They're not even making fun of the opposition. They're not even interested in the game. There is apathy. All right, and you know what that means, Cal? They've accepted that they can't change anything. Right. That they can't change it. There's the no fans, more outrage. But the fans that don't go are still angry and but outraged. They, but there, but there's that anger is turning to apathy. Because it, they're angry at what? But people are still very angry. But they've accepted that they can't change it. But they're still very angry. I mean, the other night after that loss, the other night, the 6-1 to one loss, uh, or seven to what was it seven to two or something like that the other night? Uh, nine to two. Nine to two wound up being right. Nine to two wound up being, and people on Mets Twitter were saying, "Where's everyone?" There's not even anybody here to recap on snarky, sarcastic Mets Twitter. Nobody gave a crap. I'm just saying, apathy is becoming the norm. But the reason that the in-your-face stuff is there is we're going to talk about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Yankees a little bit. Obviously, the NBA Finals Game Four, huge game, is going on right now. Um, uh, uh, Miami and San Antonio last night an epic classic Stanley Cup finals game illustrating everything that Cal and I have said for three years three and a half years on this show that Stanley nothing is better than Stanley Cup playoff hockey well and the only the only thing better is a triple overtime is, Stanley Cup overtime, hockey right, game overtime Stanley Cup hockey we had that last night a triple overtime game ridiculous ridiculous game so we just want to touch on that. And then, of course, the Jets and Giants in minicamp, which all of a sudden, when did minicamp become so important? Like even for the Giants, too, Cal, I saw there was a fight and everything with Akeem Nix and Victor Cruz and how are they going to replace Ahmad Bradshaw? And they're the Giants. The Jets is just its ridiculous the way minicamp was covered. So there's there's that. But And the Yankees, uh, did they win? Did they wind up winning that game today? In extra they game? lost in 18. 18? Yep. So they got they got swept in that series, yeah? Yes, they did. Having a little trouble out west. They were doing a great job. They ran into a very – the Oakland team, which is another point that I want to make, Cal, the A's are what the Mets should be. We we kept saying the San Francisco Giants, and they can be the San Francisco Giants next year. This year, they should have been the A's. Well, <laughs> could be nothing this year. But I'm but the A's are in such a. They, by the way, the A's have won 21 of 26 games. By the way, mm-hmm. they're 21 and five over their last 26 games. In what universe were the Mets ever going to win 21 out of 26 games? They, they weren't, Bry. But go through that A's lineup and tell me why it's so far superior to the Mets one. 
Really? Right. Let's bring Alan Thicke back in here. <laughs> Big East fan. So uh, that, but I, I want to start with this, this theory, if you will, that I've just come up with when it comes to the Mets, and I don't want to spend the next hour talking about the Mets. I don't. It's no good for my blood sugar. All right, but this applies to the Jets as well, and the reaction that we saw out of. Many Jet fans in minicamp, and this is something you and I have been talking about for a while, Cal. And I had this conversation with my brother yesterday. I want to run this theory by you. I don't know anything about this, right? Yeah, no, no. This was this was something uh, Scott the Islander fan, my brother and I. The Islander fan, it's so radio. Let's just call him Scott. Scott yeah, Scott the engineer. <laughs> Scott the engineer, but he is Scott the Islander fan. But anyway, he's a big Jet fan too. We were talking about the Mets and the Jets and how the Jets were covered, like David Lee. Quarterback coach David Lee's interview yesterday is a great example of how the Jets are now covered, even by bloggers. Because a guy that we've had on the show, who's usually very, very level-headed and good, Scott Salmon, who runs Gangrene Nation on the SB SB Nation, SB Network or whatever it is. And we've had Scott on the show. He was very good. He wrote a great – one of the great articles about the media's coverage of the Jets. And David Lee said that Matt Sims, this is while he's talking about all the quarterbacks, and they asked him about Matt Sims and McElroy, and, and he said Matt Sims has the best arm of the four quarterbacks. And if he had any, he's got a cannon, and if he had any sort of accuracy, he would be in the mix. But he doesn't. For some reason, Scott, who's great, took this and lost his mind on Twitter. Lost his mind. He didn't like that statement. Compared him to Googs, uh, you know, Dave Guglielmo, um, you know, the offensive line coach from last year who was the great exaggerator. And then there was suddenly like 50 tweets in a row, like hashtagged Googs tweets about how uh, Vlad Dukas is the best left guard in the game. And uh, like all he said was, and how bad Matt Sims is. And he, you would have thought that David Lee said, Matt Sims is Tom Brady. He didn't. Let's let everybody just take a breath. He didn't even come close to saying that. Then he posted something on Gangrene Nation. And the headline was like, Matt Sims is the second coming. That's not what, why are we doing this? So, and I don't mean to call out Scott. Scott does a great job. Maybe he hit his snapping point. I've hit it on this show. You've hit it on this show. But Cal, along those lines, with bloggers and fans now, here's the theory. Theory. We've talked about a great... <laughs> Peach, we need a song. Now where's the write producer? Peach, write it down. Need a song. Need a, uh, need a sound bit. Theory. It's an RTU theory. He's got the intern taking notes right now. Yeah, in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so... I've got a thought, it's theory time. Why don't you listen to this theory of mine? Could it be like that? That's perfect. Book it, rack that. Get the intern to rack that. Send the intern out to the studio. All right, no, we'll tape his favorite shows. Send him out to the studio and get him working on these. Why do I have to think of everything? So, here's the theory. We've talked quite a bit in the last few weeks about this idea that 
fans for certain teams uh, like the Mets and the Jets right now here in New York are, and bloggers alike, are more concerned with being right or would rather be right than be happy. That's the impression we get. And it's and it's we don't know that for a fact. No, no, it just seems the the way it is. It right. just seems to be the way it is, and that was in evidence to us during the Mets Yankee series when the Mets swept the Subway Series, and yet there were people say you know they couldn't even enjoy that. It was still this sucks, that sucks. Yep, have fun celebrating a meaningless series right. in June. Right. It, it it still was calling for, well, this guy's going to fail, this guy's going to fail, Sandy Alderson's going to fail, the plan is a wreck, blah, 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 blah. Like, they couldn't even take four days and just enjoy it. And the idea is that these are fans. This is not, these are not, like, opposing fans that are trying to get under the skin of fans. These are fans, supposedly, of, team. of the team. Right. Right. And we use the example, and it's one that I I sort of stuck with for this theory of Ruben Tejada. Ruben Tejada is the great example for me on the Mets because he's a player that I've never really liked. I've never seen him as the long-term solution at shortstop. I have not been a big fan of his. But if he's up in a huge spot, I'm not rooting for him to fail so I can be right. I don't think he's an everyday major league shortstop. I really don't. Or at least going to be a good one. I haven't for two years. But I don't want him to fail in a big spot at cost to the team. I want him to get a hit. I don't care if it proves me wrong. I'm hoping he proves me wrong every time he gets up in a big spot. Prove me wrong. Okay? And then the other example is Mark Sanchez. Now, Mark Sanchez has a year and a half Let's put it this way. They were 8-5 and five when everything fell apart in 2011, right? So it's been a good 20 games <laughs> for Mark. I think there are a number of Jet fans who would rather see him fail, who want to see him fail at the cost of success to the team so they can be right because they think he sucks. And so, therefore, they're proven right. So, if he's the week one starter, there are going to be fans, a lot of them, who hope they, he, that he throws five interceptions and never plays again. Well, let me let me ask you a question about that. All right. I still have the theory, so go ahead. Oh, am I interrupting? No, no, not at all. Please. Okay, because this is I question this also. The people that want him to fail... The people that want Mark Sanchez to fail, right? Do they want him to fail so that they can be proven right? Or do they want him to fail because they think that if he fails enough, he'll go away? Very fair. It's a question. I think, it, I think there's both. However, it's still the same, to me, it's still the same fundamental problem. You're still rooting against the success of your team. Right. So if 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 he fa- it's the same with Tejada, right? Am I rooting for Tejada to fail? So he, so there's a new shortstop name and he gets sent down. Am I rooting for him to fail so he's not and so he goes away? Am I rooting for him to fail because I don't think he's uh, you know a competent player? It's the same thing, right? But here's, yeah, but here's the problem with that. As fans, you have a very short. 
What's that? Oh, my bad. Oh. I didn't take the vibrate off. I'm sorry. My bad. Oh, I, I, I thought we were being messaged. <laughs> yeah, well, you got the dog running around up there. You got all sorts of stuff. It's crazy. No, uh, as fans, we are very impatient, right? Is, yeah. is, is it fair to say that fans don't have the patience they probably should have in certain situations? Absolutely. In general. Sure. So we, if, if somebody wants, let's, who do you, we use Tejada, Sanchez Tejada, whatever, whoever you want to use. We'll use Tejada here. People that want Tejada to fail because they want a new shortstop, they, they want Tejada to go 0 for 3 three days in a row, and they think they're going to get a new shortstop. Right. It doesn't work like that in sports. The guys that you want to fail so much that they're going to go away, it takes a long time for them to fail before they go away. Yeah, it does, especially right? when they're due eight million, eight and a half million dollars. Yeah. So I, I think this idea that, they're try, that they want the player to fail so that they'll go away it doesn't work. And what it does is it just, you're not patient enough as a fan to allow that to play out and it makes it worse. And it just kind of exacerbates over time because, all right, he's over six. He's over nine. How come he's not gone away now? He's over 12. I hate this guy. Why isn't he going away? He stinks. He's over 15, but the team is going to give this guy every opportunity to get himself out of it because that's how it works in sports. So that, that's just part of my thought on why fans root for their own players to fail. Yeah, especially players with a track record, right? I mean, we just saw this with especially, Ike Davis. Yeah. I mean, they, they let Ike Davis get to 160, you know, two and a half months into the season. You got another 140. You know, yeah. But I'm saying when they sent him down, he was at 163 or whatever. But it, it doesn't – they're going to get opportunities. Mark Sanchez is going to get opportunities. He's had success. Whether You can't take it away from him. I know you want to. But you can't take it away from him. He's had success at the NFL level. He's won games. Right. But here's the theory. Okay. Here's where theory time comes in. And then I want to talk about actual stuff, like actual on-the-field stuff for the Jets and Giants, actual on-the-field stuff for the Mets. I want to talk about that. Because on Monday, we have one of the more exciting days. As a Mets fan, this is all you have left. I may take Monday off. It's Tuesday. The 18th. Tuesday. Don't take Monday off then. Yeah, Monday. You're going to waste a day sitting there by myself. How come they're not on? With Alan Thick, apparently. Alan Thick was, was the principal. I'm. <laughs> Camp. What is it called? Camp Sunshine. Camp Sunshine. <laughs> Show me that smile. Okay. Um, Summer will never be the same. Ever. Hey. We're at camp. <laughs> Listen, buddy, you can't do that. Put that tire down. Who, t- Who took my bed out to the lake while I was sleeping? <laughs> Why is Jerry Seinfeld on this show? <laughs> Where did all these bugs come from? You didn't tell me you were allergic to s'mores. See, that's straight Seinfeld. Even the way I said s'mores. I said s'mores like a guy from Queens. <laughs> like, Matt, like, that was, and that was even like Seinfeld like from the Massapequa days. Like no. when you catch him on like Letterman in 84. That was before he, uh, right, he before cleaned he, it up. Before he got rid of the Massapequa accent. 
S'mores. <laughs> the, the dryer. The dryer is the nightclub for socks. Um, here's the theory. I think I'm starting to feel like, as bloggers especially, that this feeling of wanting to be right instead of happy is a phenomenon that's involved with the idea that these uh, bloggers, for example, started out with the noblest of intentions. They started writing about the team that they loved. They started blogging about a team out of pure love. There was no motivation. Beat writers, people that cover the team on a daily basis, or even in the national media, they have a motivation. They have an impetus for doing the job that they do. They're doing it for a reason, whether it's page hits, sell papers, move up in the world, move down in the world, whatever. Okay, They are driven by a uh, uh you know their job it's their job okay they can be good at it they can suck at it they can be snarky at it they can be sarcastic at it they can take a straight line whatever it is but beat reporters and national media that's their job bloggers and social media and new media this was this was started out of passion and love for their team and wanting to maybe have a unique voice you provide a unique voice or provide a unique view on their team now, there's no really wall anymore, Cal, except access, and even that's come down a little bit, between just an average fan and a beat reporter. Anybody who has a Twitter handle and a couple of followers can have an opinion about a team or a front office or a player. And I think this mentality allows bloggers especially – certain bloggers, not all, certain bloggers to feel superior to the general managers, the players, the front office of the teams that they're covering. I would rather be right than happy about my team. I would rather be right about Mark Sanchez because you were wrong, Mike Tannenbaum, Rex Ryan. John Itzik, whatever. This is my only opportunity to tell you that you're wrong. And I don't care what it means for the team. I get to say I know more than the coach of the Jets. Or feel, not, not say, feel that I know more than Sandy Alderson. And, and, and Terry Collins. And people who, by the way, know more about baseball than you do. They just do. Because it's their job. Because it's their job. And they've also gotten one of 30 jobs in the entire world doing what they do. I mean, even Omar Minaya knows more about the machinations of being a general manager than I do. Doesn't mean he's good at it, but he definitely knows more about it. And I think it's I that's my theory. I think that's why that mentality exists. Especially among bloggers. Because what started out as a love affair now becomes look, I'm right. You know, it's so ironic that Adam Rubin, who look, we're no fans of his work. I don't know what the guy's like as a person. It you know, I, I don't I don't want to cast aspersions, neither do you, Bri. We don't want to do that. That's not what it's about. It's about his work. It's about what he does for a living. I don't care for the way he does his job. Okay? I don't. He may be a great guy. He may be a sniveling weasel. I don't know. 
doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, I just don't care for the way he does his job. But it's so ironic that the has lobby thing, like the hashtag has lobby and how they rag on Adam Rubin about lobbying for a player personnel, you know, a personnel uh, position and a player development position. And he did. Rich Catino said it on our airwaves on Ready to Unload. He said he did it. It was no secret among the beat reporters. He had done it. It was just the wrong venue for Omar Minai to say that, right? But it's kind of ironic that all these bloggers are calling out on them. Meanwhile, they've started lobbying for player development positions. Yeah. Like, that's what it's become for a lot of these fans. So, I don't know. What do you think of my theory? Well, <laughs> next oh. time, make sure you ask me as I'm coughing next time. Right. Gotcha. Good job. <laughs> Got me right in the, the worst the possible button, though. Good job. I did, but... It threw me off. Um, what do I think of your theory? I like it. I can buy it. I'll add to it. I think that an Twitter, addendum. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going Corollary. to. I'm going to garnish it a little bit. Are you gonna put a little sprig of parsley? A little bit, you know. Why is it's there a garnish? Addendum. There's more. Perfect. Boy, I can't wait to hear all of these next week. I can't wait. We're not going to be able to talk. That's right. It's just going to be. It's just going to be drop after drop, after drop. There's more. Go ahead. I almost feel like there should be like a triangle, like bing. Sprig of parsley on the side. The um. A garnish. I just love saying that word as like the most thick. It's Francesa. Yeah, with like the thick, you know, you go out, you have some pasta, it's a little garnish, all right? A garnish, a little sprig, parsley there. What's that for? Cleanse the palate? <laughs> Who's cleansing? I'm not cleansing. Back after this. Why is it? Is that's what parsley's for, right? What, uh, besides being a garnish, yeah, it's supposed to be uh, for uh, palate cleansing. I thought. I am thought. I, am I am I the guy at the prefi who's eating his who's eating his garnish? Is that me? <laughs> what this goomba eating the garnish over here? <laughs> look at this! Look at this Ginzaloon. He's eating the parsley. Who is who brought, this guy? Who brought this guy? This, you want to eat it the garnish. Real quick, speaking of that, just speaking, just real quick, I, I want to hear this addendum. Don't forget it, but I won't. So, Teresa and I are looking for. Or she's looking to buy like Crocs, like for the family for the summer or whatever. For the, the the sandals, the shoes, the Crocs, yeah, the Crocs for your feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crocs. The doctors wear them. Comfortable. Okay. Chefs wear them. Chefs love them. Okay. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Right, chef. Yes, yes, chef. Behind, um, hot behind. So, uh, so sorry, chef. Sorry, some of us me. have worked in kitchens, yeah, um, or watched Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, watch Hell's Kitchen. 
So uh, she's looking at uh, – I'm looking at shoes or whatever and Crocs. I can't get straight Crocs. It's just uh, because of the size 13 feet. It's just a circus act. And then – I can't. It comes with a nose when you buy them. <laughs> I know. When I take them off, it's like – are you going to dock those or are you just going to put them on the shoe rack? Yeah. God's little joke. Six feet tall, size 13 feet. Um, at least you're tall. Right. What do you go? Six two? Six three? Yeah, because if you're five eight and your feet are <laughs> size feet, thirteen, I'm like barely six feet. My size and my feet are a huge thirteen too, like a flipper. They're, that was my nickname in college. Flipper. Before Sam Pete, that was my pledge name. Hmm. Flipper. Sam flip. Sam, Sam. flipper. <laughs> Good times. So she's looking at these shoes, and we're sending them back and forth on the IM or whatever. And I sent the, this one pair uh, of, like, canvas, like, they're boat shoes-looking things, you know? And they're blue, and they're really cool. They're, like, canvas and blue, and I think I'm going to get them, Cal. And she sends me back a pair of white ones, like these, and they look like white, like, boat shoes, like, you know, or like white kids almost. Like, they're canvas, but they're white. Canvas Crocs? Yeah. Right? She sent them to me. I wrote back to her and I said, look, when are you going to understand that I'm Italian? I can't put those on. I have to slick my hair back. I got to get a big crucifix necklace. I got to get an eye rock. It's like a whole, I don't have time. I cannot wear white boat shoes. I can't. What do you want? I got to change my whole personality. <laughs> I, I just, I can't. I can't do it. And she's she's laughing. She's like, I guess I just don't. She just doesn't see it that way. She didn't grow up with that. No. You know, but I just I wrote back to her. I'm like, when are you going to get it through your head that my last name is San Pietro? And that I am Italian. I can't. I know I don't look it. I cannot put a pair of white, size 13, barefoot, white boat shoes on. If I do, this is what's going to happen immediately. Hey, come here. Come here. You're gonna you're gonna say that, or someone's gonna, I'm gonna say, say that, that to you. I'm gonna, start, I'm gonna start talking like that immediately. What's for dinner? I said, what's for dinner? <laughs> All right. As you're eating a, pe- a piece of pepperoni, like <laughs> popping it in your mouth. Right. Huh? Like, well, like, where did this pepperoni come from? You put the shoes on. Good job. Comes with the shoes. <laughs> Came with the shoes. There's a stick of pepperoni. Just <laughs> like this medallion. <laughs> You think I want to wear this horn? I don't want to wear this horn. All right, but it's the Maloik, all right? Forget about it. You but see you this see. hair on my chest? <laughs> well, see, that's there. I didn't have yeah, but it would be much thicker. That's right. <laughs> it thickens up. I just thought that was so funny. Thick of the night. I just think of it. I just said that to her. I said, when it, you can't, you got it. There's certain things I just can't wear. You know, you want me to put a Sergio Tacchini sweatsuit on while we're at it? I can't do these things. <laughs> anyway. You didn't have those sunglasses on a minute ago. <laughs> we can laugh because I'm Italian. It's okay. It's okay. So, your addendum. There's more. <clears throat> Instant addendum. There's more. Oh, boy. No, my thing is with Twitter and social media. I think that there's this cloak of anonymity that they can hide behind too, and it just it just makes it worse. It exacerbates it. 
It's like the old, you know, the media used to be able to hide behind the pen. Now the blogger that's calling out a general manager for not being able to do a job can hide behind the computer. Yep. And it makes it worse. They are braver to do it. Yep. And then there's no accountability. Right. And then just celebrate it from the mountaintops if they're right. Exactly. And if they're wrong, then they'll take the day off and they won't say anything. Right. This is not to say that everything has to be rosy or, or, you know, Mark Sanchez, for example, hasn't merited being replaced. This is also not to say that there isn't a place for venting because fans are angry. Absolutely. You know, but but to your theory, it's gone from venting to it's the spirit in which it's being presented has taken a turn. In the yeah. last year to 18 months, I would say. It's that moment, too, of during a game, or in the Jets' case right now, like during practice at minicamp, without pads and shorts in June, it's you to the point where, again? While, this is, <laughs> not, while this is actually going on, that you're actively rooting against that player in a game. In a game scenario, to the detriment of your team, just so you can be right. I don't understand it. I, I think I think I do now. Do I think it's that I think it's that feeling of superiority, that brief feeling of superiority to someone in a position that you'll never get. You know, and you can be like, "Well, I know more than Sandy Alderson because I've been tweeting for a month that this guy sucks," and then he struck out. And so he really sucks. Told you. Yeah, but he struck out with the bases loaded and a chance to win the game. You were rooting for that? You're happy about that? I don't, that that's, that's all I can think of. It's that momentary feeling of superiority. Well, I'm still right. My team may suck, but I'm still right. Yeah. Does this go on in other cities, Cal? I don't know. I mean, I've lived in a bunch of other cities, but I've continued to root for my teams. You've also, you also haven't lived in other cities during the age during of Twitter. Time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, so, I, so, so I'm curious if, if this happens everywhere else. You know, it's just, again, I think it's the spirit in which it's being presented right. that, that, that's changed. And, and I, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I feel all, you know, get off my lawn, old man, these days, because I just, I don't get it. I don't have the patience for it anymore. It's not funny when they try to be snarky, yeah. whether, whether it's fans or – let me put it to you this way. Beat writers should never be snarky. That's, that's not – their job is to, is to report. It's not to interject their opinion. Or as we've asked for, like just give me two Twitter feeds. Right, right. Give me the, give me the beat reporter that's covering the team that has access to – that I don't have. And then give me a feed where you're sarcastic and you're yourself and you're snarky and you're a jerk. And I knock yourself out. I don't I, have to follow that one. And I cannot. I can't even count. Um, you know, how many reporters, new to the beat, that start off playing it straight, and and you and you can see it. You can see the turn. Like all of a sudden, it's like, oh well, we got to keep up with the snark, and it just turns and it change. And it's like, well, why? Why? Why are you do? What you have, you think you got to keep up with them? Right. It happens. You know, play it straight. Be Connor Orr. Yep. You know, 
He's, he's doing, and, and he mixes in his little comments here and there, and they're funny and they're they're yeah, well meaning. And but and, it's appropriate when he does exactly. it. Exactly. He's not doing it to elicit a reaction. Totally agree. You know, and I just I've I've me personally. He doesn't troll. He's not a troll. And and they do it just to get a reaction. Yep. You know, and then they'll tell you, well, don't follow me. Yeah. Okay. No problem. No, but I follow you because I'm a fan of the team and I need information on and the team. And you have access that I don't have. That's it. That's what I want. Yep. So why do, why does it have to come with these ridiculous snarky strings, which are not funny, by the way? Right. To well, and again, I can. But I, see, I can see them why beat reporters don't care about the success of the team. So they want to be right. I mean, Joel Sherman wants to be right about David Wright being miserable and wanting to leave the team. He wants to be right about that because it's better for his career. That I get. I don't like it, but I get it. But the blogger who started out writing about his team, his or her team, for pure joy because they loved the team and they had something to say, don't you still love the team? Well, they'll tell you that they do. Yeah. They will, and, they, and because some, when they, because the Mets whenever, are a tough case. The Mets are a difficult case because I, I, I say all this fully – Despising ownership. I mean, we're going to add to our survival guide to, to our guide to surviving the Wilpons in a minute with another step to surviving the Wilpons. So I say all this where I fully hate management, hate or uh, not management, uh, the ownership, hate the way the team is run, think they are they are about to go through a period that they have not seen since the late 70s when M. Donald Grant was there and there were 7,000 people in the stands every night and nobody cared. Nobody even cared about the team. They could have drafted Daryl Strawberry and Dwight. Well, wait, they did. And nobody cared until they started to see results. They're facing that. They are facing complete apathy with this team, mixed with anger. But the anger is not, Cal, the anger is not about bad baseball. It's no. about them. Yep. Okay, and, and that's what I meant, I think, at the open of the Big Unload, that the apathy is not even to what's happening on the field. Or the ap- apathy is to what's happening on the field. The anger has shifted fully to ownership. The players don't care about the team anymore. They don't yeah, care about the players. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not angry that Kirk Newenheis is hitting 076. <laughs> he's good. Because he stinks. He's, All right? not, he's not a very good baseball player. He's not a good baseball player. But I'm not angry at Kirk Newenheis. I'm angry at ownership because Kirk Newenheis has to be here. That's what makes me angry. You know? and, 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 and you're right. The, the fans don't care what's going on at the stadium right now. If you go to a game, half half of them are not in, half of them are not in the bar, in the park. First of all, they tell you twenty thousand people at the game. I don't know where they are. They're not at the Caesars Club. I could tell you that. Um, they're they're going around. I mean, the stadium lends itself to just kind of walking around now. So people are going to these games, but they're not sitting in the stands. They're not watching. The only time you hear anything from them is when they boo, and they boo a player, when they were booing Ike Davis. It's the only time you heard anything from them. I mean, I, you were watching the game on Saturday, the 20-inning game against the Cardinals. Not the Cardinals, the Marlins. That was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to look at a major league ballpark in the 15th inning of a 1-1 game between two of the worst teams you're ever going to see. It was absolutely terrible. You're absolutely right. You know, so it was. It was terrible. It was, you know, not all twenty in games are classics. I mean, no. that was that was that was just a, a ridiculous example of futility. You know, right? But, but on but, both sides. But you're but you're angry 
at ownership and you're angry at management because this is what you were forced to watch. Right. You're not angry that Jose uh, Jordani Valdespin is, stinks. And you're not angry that Omar Quintanilla stinks. Yep, I'm apathetic right now to the you care less. I'm apathetic to, uh, uh, except every fifth day. Right, today. Right, when Matt Harvey pitches. And, and actually, today, I get angry that Matt Harvey goes out there and pitches seven innings, one run, strikes out seven guys, and they can't score a damn run for him. Against the best team in baseball, he goes out there, seven innings, five hits, seven strikeouts, gives up one lousy run. Get, you know, in the second score, inning, right? You, you, they can't scratch a run across. Score one run. See, that makes me angry. That part you can makes get him off the hook. Yeah, no, that that's the only, but that's the only time we get angry at play anymore, Cal. Right, right, but you're right. Otherwise, I could care less. Like tomorrow, I don't care. They're playing mm-hmm. the Cubs. I could, I care more about the Foreigner concert after the game. <laughs> that's why you should. And Lou Graham isn't even there. It feels like the first time you're saying that. It feels like, yeah, the first time, 1962. See what I did? Get it? Feels like the very first time. Feels like the first time they played a game, uh, this team. Feels like the first time they were in the major leagues. Uh, wow. awful. I'm going to go back to this. Okay, it's a garnish. All right? You have parsley on there. You have a bite of the parsley. Look at this. Look at this guy. He's eating the parsley. He's eating it. Um. Okay, so uh, I, I, then we're gonna, now we're going to go rapid fire. We're at 10.39. Oh, quickly? We're going to do this quickly? No, not quick. We're just going to pick up the pace. We have a very big fun load to get to. Very big. Okay. And so, But I have a lot in sports I want to get to. All right, let's just do it then. No okay. more go- goofing around. Gosh. What's this, Camp Sunshine? <laughs> what is this, Camp It's not Camp Sunshine. Jerry Seinfeld has to make an appearance on this show now. <laughs> yeah, it's there. On Alan Six Camp Sunshine. And 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 uh Alan Arkin. And uh let's see. Oh, Richard Brenner or uh uh yeah. David, David Brenner. Brenner. Camp Sunshine. <laughs> what and, ben, and Ben Stein. And Ben Stein. <laughs> that guy's weird. Did you imagine all of them on a panel? Be fantastic. I don't think it would be Jewish enough though. I think you would have to. You got to bring Harvey Fires. Yeah, I think you need Woody of... Allen in there. Just to... <laughs> Camp Sunshine of Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, who was that? I'm gonna be writing my jokes. This is David Brenner. Who just who just stepped into the room? <laughs> Sounds like Alan Thick has a cold. Where's? Well, he stole my act. <laughs> yeah, when, when he was sick. Right, everybody's. <laughs> Alan Thicke got a cold, stole David Brenner's act. Sick David, not... David Brenner was originally a singer, apparently. The worst singer ever. To <laughs> okay. Wow, but I think that panel would be. What would what would the discussion be for that panel? Well, yeah, well, I don't even know what kind of panel. Like, is that like a crossfire panel? <laughs> Like talking about cabs in New York City? Latkes and uh, <laughs> Manischewitz. Delis. <laughs> Delis, right. <laughs> I mean, Jerry's is the best. I, I, I just I, I wanted to get corned beef and rye. Wow, then I got Alan Alda, Giannis. You know who does a good Alan Alda? Because he looks like him. Next week uh, we'll get him. 
Who, Bill Hader? Jay Mafali. Oh. He doesn't. <laughs> Bill Hader does a great. He's a great Alan Alda. Why now? That's the great uh, story he told on WTF about uh, when Bill Hader was first on Saturday Night Live. And he did the Vincent Price. Uh-huh. And all Lauren said, he did it in dress rehearsal, and it, like, killed, and it was really, really good or whatever, and he walked off <laughs> walked off the stage, and Lauren was just there, and he hadn't said anything about them doing, like, a Vincent Price sketch in 2007 or whatever it was. <laughs> and he just, he hadn't said anything all week, rehearsals, everything, and they did the dress, and it killed, and it was clear that it was going to make it into the show, and Lauren just looks at me and goes, why now? Belader was like, I had no, I had no answer for that. I had absolutely, I just walked off. It killed. I'm doing Vincent Price. It was great. I had no answer for why now. <laughs> but it was funny. Yeah, Vincent Price. Why now? Um. Uh, show me that. Wow. Rapid fire sports. Yes. Um. So real quick, let's do our guide to surviving the Wilpons. I have uh, tip number two. Tip number two. Last week, what was last week's tip? Do you remember? You no. don't listen to the show. No, I don't remember. Are you even here? I'm here. You're drinking again, aren't you? A little bit, but I don't remember it. And when... it's my birthday. Can't we have a nice Christmas? <laughs> Cal's drunk again. <laughs> and uh, it's Hanukkah. It had to do with. You can only was it you can only go to a game if Matt, Matt Harvey's, Harvey's pitching. pitching. That's correct. Was that the only time it was yep. acceptable to go to a game? Yep. Okay. Or Zach Wheeler? Did we say Zach Wheeler too? Did not. Okay. So we're going to put in number two. The, number two can't be Zach. We- if Zach it's Wheeler, not, it's not. It's a cop out. It was Zach Wheeler. We did add. It was. It was an instant and then dumb. There's more. Um, it was Zach Wheeler or, or Harvey. I that, thought it was. That was step one. Not step one. It's not a step. It was yeah, number well, one. No, it's the ste- it's the steps to surviving the Wilpons. It's the guide to surviving the Wilpons. Oh, like we're oh, because we're going to publish this on Dumpling Sounds. <laughs> Dumpling Sound books. Books and tape. Books on tape. Books on tape. Number two, guide to surviving the Wilpons. Step two. Unfollow Jay Horowitz. Okay. Go on. Step 2A. (laughs) Delete your Twitter account entirely. How do you like that? Severe? Too much? That's, that's, That's a little harsh. I had a whole different number two, and I and I, I changed it. Oh, why? I don't know. That I'd seemed like, like a good number two. I'd like to hear what the other number two was. Okay, you should number three. unfollow Jay Horowitz anyway. Yeah. Okay. Jay Horowitz doesn't understand that sarcasm doesn't translate to Twitter. Look, Jay Horowitz is the worst. The the fact that he still has a job. Has anybody been worse at their job for such a long period of time? Honestly, no. Ever? No. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody in the Carter administration. I don't know. Just like, no. Like, what if your mailman delivered the TV guide to the neighbor 
for 33 years. Would he still have a job? That's an excellent analogy. Right? Right. What if you went to the gas station and you asked them to fill you up with regular? And the gas station attendant for 33 years just kept giving you low-test gas. But he was goofy and funny. And everybody picked on him. Yeah. You think he'd survive? No, I don't think so. 33 years, this man. And, and, and the, biggest, the biggest complaint, or one of the biggest complaints about the Mets is the horrible perception the public has of the Mets organization. The public perception of the Mets organization. Jay Horowitz is in charge of public relations. <laughs> How the Mets are perceived. For 33 years. This is not like, he's not like a kid out of college who, you know, for a year or two is his first job. He's learning on the job. He's making mistakes, you know. This is a man for 33 years that thought it was okay to tweet that the starting pitcher is going to skip a game to go to the Ranger game. Yep. With a fan base that's already on the verge of, of, of anarchy. That's correct. Well, this would be funny. Let's, let's, let's just real quick talk about the David Wright and the Cougar thing. I mean, this is a prime example. And David Wright and the Cougar thing. How does this get out? How, 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 how does Deadspin get eight emails well, back they, and forth? They got an entire thing. Well, they got the emails from the from the individual at Cougar Town, Cougarville. Coo- what what was Cougar Camp? I don't know. Whatever it is, like a month ago, David Wright was named the uh, the most desirable baseball player by like Cougar Life magazine or website or something like that. And so the Mets Cougar had the. Life. The Mets had the idea of reaching out to Cougar Life. Somebody, somebody in the Mets organization had this idea. Yeah, Jay Horowitz. You think it was Jay Horowitz? Oh, it was Jay Horowitz. This reeks of Jay Horowitz. And look, I, I said it to you. I'm on record. I don't care. I have zero problem with them reaching out to Cougar Because the All-Star Game, and we should say what it is, they reached out to Cougar the Life All-Star and game? said... <laughs> right. The Cougar Life were playing in the All-Star Game. Cougars. That's a new twist. Good job, Selig. He really brought it up to date. She's 47 years old. She's single. She lives in Boca Raton. And she's playing shortstop in the All-Star Game. It's the cast of Cougar Town. Right. Beverly Jenkins. Wow. <laughs> she can't hit. But she can score. <laughs> that just happened. Um, so the Mets reached out, the Mets PR department reached out to Cougar Life and said, hey, we're trying to get votes for David Wright for the All-Star Game. He's currently trailing the second-place guy by 100,000 votes. We'd love it if you would maybe you know reach out to your uh, constituency, your readership, whatever, and vote for David Wright. Here's how you do it. It's very easy to do. I have zero problem with this. Zero. It's a popularity contest. Who cares? If you could see what the San Francisco Giants are doing to get Pablo Sandoval in the lead, this would look minor. Minor. I mean, they're actually cheating. <laughs> the, the the head of social media for the Giants wrote an app. Right. Did you I know mean, about this? Yes. He wrote That's what I'm an saying. app. It's a popularity contest. The Mets don't offer free Wi-Fi 
in their park. The Giants not only offer free Wi-Fi. They wrote an app. They wrote an app. So all you got to do is walk in the gate, and you could vote for Pablo Sandoval 500,000 times. Right. 35 times a person. Whatever it is. Yeah, it's 35 times a person under one email address. Right. I mean, the, the San Francisco Giants have made it so easy. It's a popularity contest. Who cares if the Mets have reached out to some – who cares? And, and listen, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get into this too. This all this whole debacle that's become the All Star voting. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It's a popularity contest. It has very little to do with what's on the field. And this is this is a prime example. I mean, the Mets are trolling for votes, quote unquote. Who cares? I don't care. But this should never be leaked, ever. And I don't care that it gets leaked. Like, but the inner workings of how the Mets, like, well, the Mets ran it up the chain, and they didn't think it was a good idea, and blah blah. But thanks for your support. And, it was all leaked to Deadspin. It was all right there, and it just makes the team look as Mickey Mouse as they are. For a team that is struggling with public perception, <laughs> they cannot afford to have bad press like this. And there's one man that's in charge of this for 33 years. I'll tell you what. I'm starting to feel like my number two in the Guide to Surviving the Wilpons is a pretty good one. I still want to hear what the other one was. The other one had to do with Wheeler. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, it's boring. It was to it was to uh, uh, to take Tuesday off and watch. Make those make that doubleheader the last two games you watch in full this season. You got to be careful with with encouraging people to take off from work. Why? What? <laughs> why? Do you think our listeners are what? They're what are they running the country? Come on. They'll put that on their slip. Yeah. RTU said that I could take off. Hey, they said I get the day. It's Harvey Wheeler Day. National. No, that was my other one. My other one was Tuesday. Make sure you watch those two games because that's what you because that has nothing to do with the Wilpons and everything to do with the future of the team that you love. So right. that was the other one. But right, I, let- I I do like the unfollow Jay Horowitz immediately. And any tweet that you see from Jay Horowitz that somebody else retweets into your timeline, respond to it in, you're terrible at your job. Just to, make, just to make yourself feel better. You're terrible at your job, no matter what it is. <laughs> Jay Horowitz tweets, I'm having a lovely dinner with my wife tonight. You're terrible at your job. The Mets are donating thousands of cans of food <laughs> to underprivileged kids in Queens. That's lovely. Terrible at your job. But you know what? His tweets never say that. What are they, cans of spam? But that's the problem. His tweets never say that. His tweets are never, we're buying, we're donating coats to homeless kittens. No. It never says that. No. It's something stupid like... uh, Anthony Wrecker is great at Dungeons and Dragons. He took a picture of Duda and Turner the other day and said, is this Step Brothers too? Come on. Uh, the PR guy. From the team that, that brought you Gangnam Style mess <laughs> version a year after it was popular. Right. Uh, okay. We're moving on. Moving on. I have one last question on the Mets for you. Yes. That's it. When Zach Wheeler makes his debut at City Field, 
Would you go? Yes. Okay. Would you go ever again this year after that? Only to see Harvey. That's the rule. What about when uh, when Denord comes up? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. You know, Darnood. 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 Danoski. <laughs> Mike, there's, there's no ski in there. You got the catcher, Danette. Danette. Donard. Donard. Donut. We're talking about Travis Darnell. When he comes up, would you go see him in his first yes. game? Okay. Absolutely. But that's it. Like that's... I want to see him catching Zach Wheeler. I will be at that game. But that's or really... catching Matt Harvey. There's no other reason to go to a game. Those will be in the guide to surviving the Wilpons down the road. Oh, sorry. We're doing a nice job with this book. Don't F it up, Cal. All right? It's going to be bigger than the microchip. Trust me. <laughs> we got to get scratch bombed. They're very small. Okay. Uh, rapid fire, Cal. What else do you want to talk about? A couple things on my mind. Tim Tebow's a patriot. <laughs> Has, wow. Uh, and, of course, the New York media freaked out, but so did the Boston media. Yep. Here's what I loved. Here's my quick take. Uh, I hate quick take. Here's my thoughts. They have no... <laughs> they have zero place to play him. Everybody, Tim Tebow, to me, makes as much sense for the Patriots as he did for the Jets. Okay, so then why did they do Actually, it? Actually, he makes less sense to me. Then why did they do it? I think the Prisco article, the Pete Prisco article that I sent you, mm-hmm. was spot on. The day of. It was a favor to Urban... A favor to Urban... My, that's not easy to say. It was a favor to Urban... For favor. It was favor college. <laughs> They took the bar. It was a favor to Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick's best friend. And also, I truly do believe that Bill Belichick thinks he's bigger than Tim Tebow. It was a, as my brother perfectly put it, I thought my brother had the line of the day when he said, Bill Belichick just had an I'm Keith Hernandez moment from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Like, I can pick up Tim Tebow. I'm Keith Hernandez. I'm Bill Belichick. And this notion that he somehow squashed Tebow mania in his first press conference by ending it early, like he's never going to hear a question about Tebow again the rest of the year. Yeah, fun with that. Yeah. They just, they just don't know. And I got to say, have you seen any of Bart uh, Hubick's? Am I saying that right? Hubick? I, I unfollowed him a long time ago. You should refollow. No, he's, thank you. He's found religion, Cal. No, thank you. You tell me. You just tell me. Relay it to me. I'll tell I, you, I, I can tell you 15 of them. They're unbelievable. I don't know. Honestly, right? I don't know what happened to the guy. And it's not just about Tebow going to the Patriots. It's how come the Jets are a circus? They're not doing anything wrong. I'm, I'm serious. I thought somebody took over his Twitter account, Brian. How about the Giants and their squabbling wide receivers and they're getting into fights in camp, circus? I was shocked. I'm, I haven't refollowed. I'm not behind yet. When I got hurt, I got hurt bad. I won't get fooled again. I won't get fooled again. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool, wait, you can't get fooled again. Not going to let it happen. But I've been... It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear that... It that, is. Okay. So, football-wise, he makes very little sense to me. In the, Are you taking Tom Brady off the field? I don't see... 
you ever taking Tom Brady off the field? Do unless are you want Tom Brady out to wide receiver to run a wildcat play? Yeah. You're not. No. And, and by the way, if you do that, good luck talking to Tom Brady when he comes off the field. He's going to have a few choice words for you. Now, is Tebow going to convert to a tight end? Okay. If he does, if you're a Jet fan, great. You're telling me that I'm going to look at Tim Tebow as an H-back and Aaron Hernandez with his hand in the dirt? Signed. They'll Signed. Ne- they will never do that. Of course they won't, Bry. He's not going to do he that. Zero cents for the Patriots. Except the fact that it's 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 Belichick to me saying, I can handle him. It's a favor to Josh McDaniels, who loves him. I mean, Dr. Ure brought up a great point. Is he the starter in three years when Brady retires? So Brady retires in three years. Josh McDaniel takes over as head coach because Belichick retires as well. You're going, to, you're, going to leave, you're going to leave him there on the bench for three years? Well, what I said was he's going to be happy on the bench for three years. This is a guy who hasn't been happy on the bench for ten minutes. Not to mention his fans are not fans. They're sycophants. They will storm Foxborough <laughs> rather than have him be on the bench for three years. There's already people saying that he should start over Tom Brady. And they're serious. Look, Cal, we got a real good glimpse of what a Tim Tebow fan is last year. We got a real good glimpse. Yeah, they were here. It is beyond reason. And will the Patriots do a better job of managing the media expectations? Well, of course they will. They got him for different reasons. The Jets got him to be a media attraction because their freaking owner loves it. We know that. They got Tim Tebow for all the wrong reasons. We know that. They're not gonna they're not gonna shut Tebow Mania down in one day. Sorry. It's gonna take a while. It's it's gonna take forever. And Robert Kraft, by the way. Right. And Robert Kraft, by the way, quoted as saying, You can never have enough Tebow. And he wasn't mocking Woody Johnson. He was dead serious. Or ESPN. Guess what? Wasn't on the back page of the Globe the next day. That was another Bart. Hubick uh, tweet, Cal. I bet you that won't be on the back page of the Globe the next day. I was shocked. So anyway, it it doesn't make if you're a Jet fan, like Jet fans were freaking out because, of course, because oh we're gonna get burned. In fact, I had some guys razz me at work, Cal, about you know they picked him up to start Week Two against the Jets. To start, yeah, a quarterback. Yeah, they're, gonna, they're gonna start Tim Tebow at quarterback. Against the Jets in week two, just to rub it in. Right. I said, I said, if that's the case, guys, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Because I already wrote that game off as a loss. So where do I sign to have Tim Tebow start over Tom Brady against me in Foxborough? Where do I sign? And and again. <laughs> I said to them, I said, yeah, I think Tom Brady would have no problem with that. I don't think he'd say a word. He'd be cool with it. No, no, what they're going to do, they're going to start Brady. They're going to start Brady. And then when they get, they're going to try to get up like 45 nothing in the first quarter. And then and then they're going to put uh, uh, Tebow in. Okay. I'm sure they're going to try to get up 45 nothing in the first quarter. That's every team's goal. Uh, you know, do you think they really made this move, Bry, to tweak the Jets? 
I don't. I I I think it played a part. I don't. I I then. I don't do think it. they made. You know what? I don't think They're, they made. I don't think they made the move to tweak the Jets, but if it's going to tweak the Jets, I think they're okay with that. Then they're idiots. Good. That's <laughs> You know what? That's something the Jets would do. It really is. If that's the case, it's very unpatriotic. I don't believe they made the move to tweak the Jets. But it's part of it? I think that if that comes along with it, then that's even better for them. Well, good because they just welcomed. They just opened the door to you know they opened a uh, an unclosable door because everything that comes along with hey guess what your worldwide leader was there on the first day of minicamp live from the parking lot in the rain. Ed Werder, Matt Hasselbeck live. At Foxborough. <laughs> Belichick faced like 14 Tebow questions in his first press conference. And he, and, he, and he cut it off. He put that to bed in 10 minutes. Yeah, because he's never going to face a Tebow question the rest of the season. I'm sure nobody will ask him about it. NFL AM. What's the best way to use Tebow? How will the Pats use Tebow? He's in so much better of a situation than he was with the Jets. Is he? Is he really? Look, the only team that it made sense for Tim Tebow to go to would be the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Arizona Cardinals. Why? Or even the, or even the Oakland Raiders. Why? Because you need to tailor the entire offense around Tim Tebow. You can't have him share an offense. Because he's not Colin Kaepernick. He's not RG3. He's not. He's not. Russell Wilson's. Uh, the, the, Russell Wilson's more of a pocket passer than he's made out to be, and uh, than he is a read option. He's not. He's not as good as these guys. You can't just have little packages for him. You have to tailor an entire, and he has to go somewhere where he can start. Because guess what, Cal? Here's the other thing. He can't run a traditional offense. Doesn't seem he can pick up the concepts. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Can we, uh, can we move on? Please? We absolutely can. Here's the thing I took out of Jets minicamp. I want to ask you about it. All the nonsense aside. I love David Lee. I loved hearing from David Lee talk about the quarterbacks, talk about what they're trying to do with Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith, give an honest assessment. And um, the idea – I saw a tweet from someone I trust, Cal. Adam Schefter, who we trust, who has impeccable sources – who does not deal in rumor, speculation, and innuendo, tweeted that hearing, and this is, I'm paraphrasing a little, hearing that Mark Sanchez has had a fantastic two weeks, has had a great two weeks, and has really improved a lot in those two weeks. Talking about OTAs and minicamp. And and I think that's great. That's what I like to hear. The, my, the biggest takeaway for me as a Jeff fan is, A, they have to get at least one veteran receiver in here, maybe two. I mean, it's just they're so thin at wide receiver. Forget about all the drops and stuff like that. Like, that's disheartening enough. But if San Antonio Holmes isn't going to play right away, Cal, and Stephen Hill is battling, you know, little issues with the knee and the drops, and you're going to go into the season starting Jeremy Curley and Stephen Hill, I can't have that. I can't because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. 
they need to bring in a vet, right? Absolutely. Yeah, at least one. I mean, I like that they brought in Mike Sims Walker. Take a look, uh, Obamanu. They brought in who's more of a special teams guy than he is a wide receiver. Um, you know, I like that they're throwing numbers at it. They have a lot of unre- uh, undrafted free agents there. The Zach Rogers of the world. A lot of guys who maybe stand out a little bit who could maybe make the team and contribute. Got to sign a vet before training camp, at least one. Well, I'd like to see Kellen Winslow in here too. Well, I, but I think that's going to happen. It's, it hasn't. Been, it's not official yet, but I'd like to see him in here. Yeah, I, they brought him in for the uh, for the tryout. They ran him for three days. They wanted to see how he'd recover after the workout. He looked really, really good. He, Cal, if he's healthy, he's the starting tight end week one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I love them bringing him in again. Why he, not? Uh, by low his, low risk. Job. Two years ago, he had seventy five catches and eight hundred yards. Low risk, high reward. He's only 29 years old. I know that's old for the NFL, but still, he thinks he's got a lot of mileage left. I thought that was a great get. Here's, we've said this a little bit, Cal. Maybe the most important offseason offensive acquisition was Morningwick. It could be. Because these players are up and down raving about this offense and his ability to put it in. You know, we we always use the phrase the grown-ups are in charge. And that's what I that's the impression I get with Morning Wake. You know, Schottenheimer was always like, you know, the kid who was thought he was smarter than he was and he was trying to prove how smart he was. Sperano was just an idiot. And now Morning Wig is in and it's like Morning Wig has experience with this and he's a veteran. He's done this before. He's been successful and I think he's coming in and he, and he lends credibility to this, which is which is something the Jets were sorely lacking. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. It feels like they we wished for them at the end of last season, even during last season towards the end, um, for them to get an offensive coordinator that was Rex Ryan's equal from a coordinator standpoint. Like I want a mad genius. I want a guy who like we wanted North Turner. Yeah, we. I want a savant. Rex is a defensive coordinator savant. Right. That's what I wanted for offense. That's what I felt like they needed to go get. And it seems like they really have. You know, I read a really great article about the idea of Morningwig. I think it was Connor Orr. Uh, about the idea of Morningwig being, you know, he's known for being the head coach and the Lions and failing there and, the you know, not uh, taking the ball in overtime and all that stuff. Uh, but... He's really an offensive coordinator. That's his his niche. If he's not looking for a head coaching job, like I think that's sort of maybe past in his career. Like not that he wouldn't take it again, but he's an offensive coordinator. Yeah, some guys are not cut out to be a coach. Right. right. And I, you know, I don't know if we've had a guy like that manning the offense in a long Paul time. Paul Hackett. Yeah, but Paul Hackett. Yeah, maybe. It's Paul Hackett. I mean, we didn't like him, but he's the, right. that, that's the type of guy you're talking about, like a like a coordinator lifer. Yep, and 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 a good one. And a you good know, studied one. under the great. I mean, Paul Hackett came from a really good tree. Oh yeah. It's not like he didn't. You know, he didn't come from a good coaching tree. I think the the biggest difference I'm seeing, perhaps, or might be, we don't know yet, is that Morningwig was a quarterback, and so he's had a ton of success working with a number of different quarterbacks, whether it be, you know, Jeff Garcia, you know, McNabb, Steve Young, all these names, and he was a quarterback. He sees the game as a quarterback was. 
would. So anyway, that might I just love what I'm hearing about the offensive players talking about like Sanchez the other day said his install moved him. <laughs> He's like, I just love this guy explaining the offense and installing the offense. Like it's it's I can't wait to do it. It's like ext- like the guys are like ecstatic soaking in this offense. It really does speak to how bad Sperano's was. Oh, my God. Like how remedial Sperano's was as well. So I think that's what you found out in minicamp. I think the offense caught up a little bit. I think you've seen some nice things out of Geno Smith, but I think David Lee's assessment was spot on about Geno Smith and about Mark Sanchez. Look, if we can get Mark Sanchez to hold on to the ball, we're going to get better a lot quickly. We're going to be a better team, and that's what Rex said. Rex said to David Lee, what he, David Lee said, when Rex hired me, he said, if you can get this kid to hold on to the football, we're going to get a lot better a lot quick, uh, you know, very quickly. I would agree with that. But we'll Can't turn the ball over 32 times in two years. You know, and have 16 of those be fumbles. You know, you can't. And one butt fumble. Thanks. Had to, had to get it. I thought we'd no, no. finish this show. It's in our contract. No. I also like the depth I'm seeing at uh on the offensive line, something that, you know, deteriorated a great deal under Mike Tannenbaum. Seems like there's, you know, the Winters kid that they drafted and, and you know, uh Peterson uh or Peterman they brought in. Peterman? Uh, uh Willie Cologne. Yep. They brought in some depth there. He seems to understand the idea that 'cause that that's what killed the two thousand eleven season, Brian. When when Mangold went down and they they had no offensive line depth at all and you know Sanchez just started getting killed right so anyway good stuff at a mini camp I I I I like that I don't think look this is somebody got into let me ask you this somebody got into this with me Rex being in a contract year is going to be a distraction I said from what I said they're expected to win four games what what's the like What's the distraction? It's not like this is a Super Bowl team. There's no distraction. No. What, what's distracting about that? If they go 0-10 and he's completely lost the room, he'll be fired. If they go 8-8, eight and eight, he may be kept. If they go 6-10, and 10, it depends on the 6-10. and 10. If they're competitive in every game and they lose some games here and then maybe Geno Smith takes in takes over like 10 games into the season and you see some development there and the defense looks really good, maybe he gets kept, maybe he doesn't. It's not a distraction because there, there, there are no expectations. And Tebow's gone. So, and, there, so there's your distraction. It's gone. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the coach's contract in this particular scenario is not a distraction. He's either going to be kept or he's going to be fired. Or, or, or he's not actually strike that. He's either going to be kept or he's not going to be retained. His right. contract's up. Right. So anyway, uh, one last one. And then uh, PJ, we have the two things in the big unload. Uh, one last one. No, but you know what? We don't need to do it. We can move on. I was going to talk about the Giants and, and minicamp. No, and stuff like no, that, but no. We're, we're good. No. Yeah, Please. we're good. We got time. We got plenty of time. They bore me. They're classy, but they bore me. That's, that's what classy does. Classy's boring. They do bore me in a classy way, though. <laughs> they bore you like with a, a suit, a with top Jeff hat, Eaton. and a monocle. Right. Right. They... <laughs> oh, so bored. Have some bubbly while we bore you. Look, look. It's mini camp. 
<laughs> oh. We don't need to do that. Bum, bum, bum. I like that one. Can we use that one? It's It needs to sound really anxious. We don't need to do that. Like, it needs to sound from, like, uh, West Side Story. Bum, 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 bum. I have to bring in some people for that. <laughs> Is that like a bass line after that? Ooh, like a night court bass line or like a bass line? No, like a night court bass line. <laughs> boom, boom. We don't need to do that. The night court like theme was my band's warm-up song in high school. What was it? Warmed up. Night court the theme night every court. band's warm up in high school in the in the eighties. Come on. You know why? Do you know why? Because the bass player always gets set set up first because all he's got is his his cable. Right. He doesn't even have to. So the tune. bass player is always the first guy playing. When does a bass ever go out of tune? Boom! 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 Or. If he wanted to throw a curveball at you, he'd do a Barney Miller. Barney Miller is hot action. That's tough. Still kidding. You don't joke about Barney Miller's theme. But you do. I mean, you can. It's not funny. They didn't hire kids to play that theme. They had the grown-ups. Hal Linden would never allow that. (laughs) He looks exactly the same. He does. He's not great at all. Oh, yeah. So good. We don't need to do that. Not going to do that, baby. Not going to do it. We won't do it. Uh, is that a mic post? post? And her boobs. Wait, what? Hey. <laughs> what? I'm allowed Come to on. talk about Marky Post. What did you say? Mike Post. <laughs> no, PJ asked if it was Mike Post. I, I asked if Mike it was Mike post, post. And her boobs. Mike Post and her boobs? Is Marky Post married to Mike Post? No, Tom Poston she's married to. Tom Poston on Newhart. Newhart. Starting segue. Newhart. Underrated. Oh, new both both. Both Newharts? Yeah. yeah, Newhart's tremendously underrated show. Right. Is that is that is it just me or is that a dad show? You watched that with your dad. Yeah. Dad, dads love the Bob Newhart. My dad loved Newhart. Daryl, Daryl, Larry, Daryl, my other brother, Daryl. Loved it. He's just like a guy at work. Yep. My dad, that was, uh, you know, there were a number, like, MASH was another one. Watch with my dad. My dad yeah. loved MASH. My son is asking me to watch MASH. That kid's deep, man. He re- Good luck. He, he really wants to watch Mesh. I mean, that's going to be he really He said he wanted rough. to watch a show about uh, doctors that was funny. And he, he first he asked if he could watch Scrubs. And I said Scrubs was uh, 2 PG-13. He said, well, how about Mesh? 
How about okay, yeah, How about saying elsewhere? <laughs> Where am I getting that? It was hysterical. Howie Mandel was on that show. Yeah, how how could it be bad? That's funny. Howie Mandel's instant comedy. Everybody knows that. Saying elsewhere. You can get that on the Netflix, I think. I believe that was a mic. Elsewhere. What's the matter with you? <laughs> no. And Bigley Jr.? <laughs> was he on St. Elsewhere? Wait. Yeah, absolutely. He was. Yeah. He was the lead. Well, uh, the other guy was the lead. Mark the Harmon. The other guy was the lead. Mark Harmon. Right. No, Mark Harmon. It got sexy. And Denzel Washington. What is that? Barney Miller. <laughs> That's the worst version what? of Barney Miller's what? team. What ghetto keyboard version is that? <laughs> That was the oh worst my God. of Barney Miller ever. Never besmirch us with that again. <laughs> that was like the band from PS 182 <laughs> doing the Barney Miller theme for their talent show. <laughs> my daughter's okay. band just did Star Wars last night. Ooh. What is Lily playing? Uh, she plays flute. Flout? She's a flouter, I believe it's called. A I think flouted. they call them flound, flounders, Flouted. flounders, flounders, if you play the flute. Flounders? And uh, the whole night was devoted to outer space, so they did Star Trek, Star Wars, also Sprach, Zarathustra. They did a selection Easy. from Holst the Planets. It was crazy. Sounds like, sounds like some, some assembly. Gee whiz. It was great stuff. Yeah, that's a progressive school you got over there. Who's the t- is is it Mr. Holland? What do you got over there? Please don't bring up that movie to me. Dad, Daddy may have teared up a little bit. A little bit gets awfully dusty when that movie comes. Up. Doesn't anybody dust in this place? My brother, my brother had a great line a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about how Wesley has not taken to swinging a bat. He's oh, Mr. Holland. <laughs> You're Mr. Holland. <laughs> That's it. You're, you're going to be this baseball player, and he can't play baseball. Great. Thanks, everybody. Hey, listen. This and then, is the perfect. And then, when you retire, all the kids you knew <laughs> will come back and play baseball in front of you because that's, that's right. heartwarming somehow. All the kids I knew, right? All his friends will come back and play baseball while Wesley watches. What do you mean in front of you? <laughs> Think they're all going to just line up in front of you? I, all I know is that I hate that. Start playing baseball. I wish it would go away. Worst baseball game ever. <laughs> Wait, it's too, it, guys, you might want to spread out a little bit. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to bunch up right in front hey, of you. Hey, listen, don't be afraid to take the positions, guys. There's a whole okay. field out there. Take you field out there. Like, maybe spread your arms, you know, arms length apart. Arms length. <laughs> we had the perfect opportunity to segue there, Pete. With Tom Poston. Yes. Tom Poston, do it great, again. great bit part in a sitcom that's extraordinarily memorable. Cal, today, PJ and I were having this conversation, and I brought up the line from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a current favorite line of mine. When everybody, when anybody asked me, like, who's doing that or who's on it or, uh, you know, like somebody at work was like, oh, who's on that job tomorrow? And I'm like, top men. And they'll be like, wait, who's on the job? And I'll say... Top men. And it's just a great 
moment from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a fantastic I like it. line. And I, and I said to PJ, I said, if that guy never worked again, he has two scenes in that movie. He knocks it right out of the park. He kills it. He's fantastic in both scenes. He can go to bed at night as a successful actor, having made an indelible mark on an all-time movie. Any of you guys ever go to Sunday school? Well, I have. Um, so Whoa, that brought us did you to hear that. What? Oh, you guys couldn't hear that? Did you throw your cat through the window? Do you Thunder? Ah, oh, there's all dead cars crashing outside. What? Oh, I thought, that's not where, I thought for what? sure you could hear that. No. What? Is everyone okay? Is everybody all right? I I think it was a near miss. But they crashed. Somebody pulled, somebody How could that be a near miss? The, screech, the screeching of brakes, the blaring of horns, the hey, you oh. so-and-so, watch what you're doing, you know, that whole thing. Oh, okay. Plus, my wife is just returning from having bought some watermelon, so it was probably her. And yes, my wife was just buying watermelon at this time of night. It's true. That's not a setup? No. <laughs> For a no. later bit? If you're no. listening to this in the middle of the day, that makes sense. We're going to be we're gonna do some uh, midnight melon balling pretty soon. Now, that's a setup. <laughs> midnight melon balling. It's midnight. Have right you got your here. melon ball? I'll be right back. RTU after Yeah, dark. please go check on that. So PJ said, wouldn't that be a great sort of bit? You know, not that we do bits here. We don't do bits. No, wouldn't that be great for the fun mode? Like little bits in, that's what I meant, little bits in movies that left an indelible mark. Movies or TV shows? No, movies. Just, just movies. Just movies. Hmm. Yeah. Poston is a good example because he's in a TV show, but I just want to do movies. And I think the best way to do this is to sort of categorize it or genreize it. Genreize, genset. Jean Claude Van Damme? Jean Claude Van Damme. Van Damme. What a great name. Um, I don't think that's real. What? I don't think. Are you sure? Sounds like a stage name. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's of the, the Brussels Van Dams. That's possible. There were a lot of them. There were many of them running around. Vinnie Van Dam. <laughs> Johnny Van Dam. They all have to be like Jean-Claude. Like They can't be Frankie Van Dam. Stan Van Dam. Stan Van Dam. Gus Van Dam. Fran Van Dam. Gus Van Zand. Gus Van, Gus Van Dam. Wouldn't it be great if all the Vans in, yeah, Van celebrities were all part of the Van Dam family? They just Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Dick Van Dam. Dick Van Patten. Dick Van, Dick Van Dam. Again, also <laughs> part of the Van Dam family. <laughs> Gus Van Dam. Johnny Van Dam. <laughs> So, uh, so movies, we're going to categorize them. Yeah, I, I just thought it would be easier. Like, So one that jumped out to me immediately. Oh, and also, here's the other qualifier. Can't be like a that guy. Can't be like an M.M. at Walsh. Or it can't be like a, uh, what's his name, Chelsea Ross. Like, it can't be one of those guys. Yeah, It has tough. to be like you never really saw him or her again. I'll give you two. 
that came right. to me immediately today. One is Johnny from Airplane. The the, the guy who plays Johnny, it's just it's yes. legendary. Yes. Legendary. And who I was that? I defy exactly. It's almost as if he wandered onto the set and nobody ever saw he did this magnificent Faye, you know, sort of <laughs> guy, and nobody ever saw him again. Yeah, and, Johnny and Airplane. And you really don't know his name? I have no idea. Wow. That's a good one. Like a hat or a scarf or a brooch or a pterodactyl. I mean, you're talking about in both movies, in Airplane 1 and 2, he has... What? Right. Five lines, six lines. But but And they're all classics. Yes. That's the, the, the delivery, I think. And Leon's getting larger. <laughs> I remember... Do you remember when you first saw Airplane? Like where I was? No, it doesn't have to be like a lost. <laughs> I just mean, do you remember how old you were maybe when you first saw it? Yeah, I was young. I was... As was I. That's my point. But like, like I was much younger than I would have been allowed today to watch Airplane. Of course. Right. That's exactly right. Like right. that movie is 1980. Yeah, I think I think maybe I was... Ten. You want to say? You want to say maybe we saw it in eighty three, eighty four. Yeah, that's what nine, I would say. Nine, ten years old. That's what I would say. Way too young for that movie. Right. I do. I do distinctly remembering laughing hysterically at it. Totally agree. As a ten year old. Yep. Not understanding anything. Nope. Except Johnny. <laughs> to me, Johnny was like instantly funny. He was very funny. I. Maybe it was the delivery. Maybe it was just the setup. I don't. Him and Lloyd Bridges in that movie. Like I remember the first time I saw it, I was probably around the same age, like ten. And and of course you were doing something illicit, like you were sneaking to watch it. Yeah, I think it was like it was in the summer, and the parents were at work. That's right. Yeah, me and my older brother watching it. Right. We um, ordered Domino's. So Stephen Stucker. Who passed away, by the way, in 1986. He wasn't old? When he was 39. Wow. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. How about that? And cause of death? In 1986? And they didn't even know what it was yet. He had AIDS. Yeah. Wow. I'm not bringing the whole show down. Just this portion. Hey, good job, actor. everybody. <laughs> I was I was really afraid you were going to say he was in a plane crash. <laughs> show crusher. That's that's the sound bit for this one. <laughs> He's going and blowing it up, Captain. Okay. Can I, can I give my line? Hold well, on, we're going to lose the live. Hold on. Hold on, we're going to lose the live show. Hold on, okay? Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Okay, so That's we're going to lose our sponsor. <laughs> we're going to lose the live feed in a minute, so um, and we're going to continue on in overtime, but... Um, please, next week, Thursday, June the 20th, 2013, at 7.30 p.m., we're going to be live at RTU. 
uh, or at Blue Haven doing a live RTU. Jayma Folly from the Wind Up Shop is going to be doing our sound for us again. Uh, it's going to be a great time. We're going to have RTU t-shirts. There's going to be beer specials. So please come down. Thank you so much for listening to the live show. Please download the podcast on iTunes and go to www.rtusports.com for more stuff about us. Okay. So, yes, now, PJ, you can do your line. And My line is from Superman 2 during the big fight. Oh, wait, wait, we just – you got us right off Steven Stucker. Good job. We were talking about the first time we saw Airplane. And I saw it in the theater. I saw, you saw it in the theater. Theater in 1980? Yeah. You were nine. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, it, we, we just got into this discussion about the difference between PG then and PG now. Because I just let my kids, one who's 11 and the other one who is eight now, um, I, just I think that's watched. Right. We'll check that out on IMDb. <laughs> I had to think hard about that. I may be wrong. I just let them watch Meatballs, 1979, Bill Murray, wow. PG classic. It just doesn't matter. It's it's hysterically funny still, but it's a lot raunchier than anything oh, yeah. that would be PG now. I remember very vividly the boobs in Airplane. Yes. Being like a seminal boob moment in my life. Maybe oh, the first set I saw. On TV. That they weren't just like... That, that I knew what was... had a big idea that, oh, those are interesting. Right. Scott, rewind. <laughs> Quickly. Prepare to rewind. I can, remember the, the, I can remember the screams in the movie theater from that. Yeah, fantastic. So that, was, that was my um That was my bit actor. I set it all up while you were out making sure that <laughs> Tina didn't <laughs> crash the watermelons. I that's filthy. Um, while well, she's that watermelons, that's like a, a '90s grunge band, <laughs> crashing watermelons. Crashing watermelons. They sucked, by the way. These <laughs> 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 yeah. detuned guitars. Oh, just awful. A lot Laird, of feedback. Layered detuned guitars, just oh. Dude, don't tune the E string to a D. It's just right. lame. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I set it all up, Pete. So um, and and it talked about how you and I talked about it, and we were gonna sort of categorize it in the sense that, like, when I think of a comedy and I think of that bit guy that you never saw in anything else, and now we know why was Steven Stucker. May he rest in peace. Um, was Johnny from Airplane? It just never it just stole the movie. Never saw him in anything else. Just great right. bits, great lines. So give me yours. Well, the first one I thought of after you said Top Men was the uh, the lady in Superman Two when when during the big fight over New York, which she says the big one's the strongest Superman, and then of course she gets shoved. <laughs> That's perfect. Right. So she's the, the whole audience loves reporter. that moment. She's another reporter at the Globe. I'm going to find out. Cal, you got one here? I don't. I'm I'm trying. I'm racking my brain. (laughs) You're very very upset about it. Well, here's another another good one. Okay. Okay. Seems they happen in comedies, or maybe I'm just remembering comedies, but... (laughs) Two in Ghostbusters. That stand out. Again, if these people never worked again... 
They were just magnificent. One I, I know guy, exactly what they are. The guy, when they're waiting for the elevator, he has one line, and he is perfectly New York. He sums up everything that you want in that moment. He's perfectly cast, and he delivers the line expertly. He has two lines, actually. What are you supposed to be, some sort of cosmonaut? No, we're exterminated. Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. Must be some cockroach. Bite, <laughs> bite your head off, man. He had three lines. Bite your head off, man. And then Dan Aykroyd going up. And he goes, I'll take the next one. Perfect. Three lines. Killed it. I will remember those three lines for the rest of my life in that movie. Killed it. Wow. Killed it. And the other one is uh, is the, the librarian. Yeah. Now, she was in a bunch of stuff. She was in other stuff. But she had the little bit part and just killed it. I don't remember it having arms, but it definitely had arms because it reached out. I can't wait to get a look at this thing. My uncle thought he was St. Jerome. I'm going to ask you a couple I, of questions here. I thought you were going to say the housekeeping lady. The housekeeping lady is the other one I thought of. Yes. No, That's I definitely behind did. The card. What, what the hell, hell are you, you doing? doing? <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. And she starts putting out the fire with the spray bottle. <laughs> Tremendous. 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 What the hell are you doing? You know, we were. Uh, this brings us to another topic, but I'm going to save it for next week's live show. This is going to be great. And, um, and so I'm, I'm going to. I, I want to do more of these, so I'm going to tease this a bit for next week, though. Evan and I, Dr. Ira and I, got into a great conversation today. We've been going back and forth on the best sequel, comedy sequel. Not, it doesn't have to be funnier than the original or whatever, just the best comedy sequel. And there's a list of, you know, maybe eight that you can really choose from. There's not a lot out there. And I said... Back to the Future. No. That wasn't even on our list. That's not a bad... Really? But Back to the Future 2 is not good. I like this. We had like Airplane 2, Hot yeah. Shots Part 2, uh, Naked Gun 2 and a Half. Uh, oh, that's where you're... Okay. Yeah. It just best... Co- Ghostbusters 2. But it brought us to... I said to him, that movie hasn't aged well. Which one? Actually, we were talking, at that point, we were talking about Almost Famous. But because we had moved off sequels, this is just how we got there. But I was talking about Almost Famous, and I said, you know, I watched that movie movie again, and it hasn't aged well. And he's like, I don't find that movie dated at all. And I said, that's not what I said. I said it hasn't aged well. There's a difference. There's a big difference between a movie that I look at and is dated and a, and, a, and, and a movie that hasn't aged well. Like, this wine was really good in 1999. It's not so good today. It hasn't aged well. As opposed to, I look at this movie, wow. Holy 80s. Like, I can't... Like even, Airplane 2. Airplane 2, maybe. But anyway, and then there are categories of, of dated... Like, is it, are the effects that are dated? Right. Or is it the plot that's dated? Is it the mentality that's dated? Is it trying to look futuristic and that makes it look dated? So there's a bunch of that. So we, we can do that next week. 
Because I want to continue with this because there's a bunch of really good ones. So now, Pete, you must have another one. Uh, I have I have one in a, in a non comedy movie. One in a non comedy movie. Yeah, I have one in a classic. What, Gone with the Wind? <laughs> Not that classic. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, re- to remember. What are you talking? <laughs> Citizen Kane. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. That's a classic. All right. No, I had one in Star Wars. Oh. Give, give me one in Star Wars. Hmm. By, a, by an actor huh? never seen again? That Never saw the actor again. It's the Rebels. Yeah. Have, have obtained an accurate readout of this battle station. They may find a weakness and exploit it. I find your that's lack good. disturbing. Oh, that's very good. Lord, what did he say? Lord Vader. Nor has it helped you conjure up the stolen data. I mean, that guy's fantastic. Kills it. Kills it. Now, in the last interview I heard with Mark Hamill, he said that both he and Harrison Ford approached most of the shooting of that as if it was uh, a comedy. Because the lines were so preposterous. Really? So they they played it as straight as they could because they knew they couldn't play it zany. But they figured it was all going to be for laughs. Wow. Because it was so over the top. Because the dialogue is so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Isn't that funny? Sad. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, the the classic quote out of Harrison Ford is about the script was, you know, nobody says this. Like like to George Lucas, he said to George Lucas, like, this is crap. Nobody talks like this. Right. You know, and, right. and it was, it was I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was during like one of the... Uh, oh, no, you, you, the, can, you can write this, you can write this as George, but you sure can't say it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Peach. Yeah, you can you can write this, but you can't. Nobody says this. It's crap. <laughs> but that's a great that's a great bit moment that that actor killed killed. If he never does another thing, mm-hmm. did he? Right, and I think that's a, a, another qualifier is that the movie has to be big, has to be seminal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't care about the guy who had three lines in Mannequin. You know, I'm right. I'm concerned with you know classics. How about Mannequin 2? Mannequin 2 is a different story, Cal. <laughs> different story. Ah, uh, Jonathan Silverman. Jonathan Silverman, yeah, so good. <laughs> Pete, yeah, Evan brought up Weekend at Bernie's 2. Uh, <laughs> but he was, he was totally kidding. He was, and I was like, true story? <laughs> I mean, we're talking comedy sequels. Weekend at Bernie's 2, hello. Can you believe they made another one? I can. Come on, give me another, give me another one, guys. Oh boy, I'm bad at this. One, PJ. One that comes to mind is it's a performance. It's not really a line. The uh, the guy the guy who runs the asylum in Silence of the Lambs. Although he's done one or two more parts. The guy who runs the isn't that, isn't that Anthony Heald? I don't know. Is he bigger than I, he's bigger than I know. 
He must be bigger I, than I know. He must, yeah. Is he the, let's see, is he the guy who runs the asylum? Is he the one who runs the asylum? Is he the one who runs the asylum? Good radio, everybody. You know the only reason I know Anthony Heald, other than that, is that he, and I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. How do you spell it? Yeah, he's Dr. Fra- Frederick Chilton in Silence yeah. of the Lamps. You would know that he's, Pete, he's a that guy. He he works a lot. So he doesn't okay. count. But he also um, did all of the Grisham books on tape. Or he read like three Grisham books on tape. Oh, okay. And he, one of them was The Time to Kill, which, as we covered last week, I listened to Going Cross Country. Man, the guy's done every television show ever. Frasier. And he's in A Time to Kill. He's Dr. Wilbert Roadheaver. So they, Anthony Heald, everybody, Anthony Heald. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a palate cleanser. Maybe it'll help people to think. All right. A real, a re, a real quick reading of the uh, the top ten uh, IMDb movie list. This was very shocking to me. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, let's have it. Let's have Number it. ten is Fight Club. <laughs> wait, what? Wait. So wait, so what what list is this again? The top well, ten you know, IMDb. You know when you IMDb a movie, you can you can rate it right there. It's got the ten stars. Yeah. And, and oh, these are rated okay. movies. Top ten so these, rated these are, movies. These are the highest rated movies that are that are consistent with the number of logins they get. So like a movie like M, which only gets like sixty thousand hits, is still in the top fifty because it's always so consistently highly rated. Even though some of these. Some of these uh, have millions of votes. Okay. Okay. So, 10 is Fight Club. Okay. 9 is Return of the King. Right. 8, Schindler's List. Right. 7 is 12 Angry Men. (laughs) Wait, new or old? 57, the one with Jack Clarkman. The original. Good. (laughs) Did you ever see that movie, Cal? I did. Yeah, I loved it. We had to watch it in uh, English class, yep. 11th grade, because we read the teleplay by Reginald Rose. That's right. Great. Tremendous. Jack Lemon. I mean, not Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon's in the remake, which is also tremendous, by the way. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you do it. one you of doing the, the better. Part. Right. He does Fonda. Uh, Tony Danza is fantastic. He does the uh, Jack Warden part during number seven. Lost me at Danza. <laughs> No, the the remake on HBO was incredible. Incredible. Really? Okay, I gotta see it. Oh, because they they got everybody. They got Armand Stahl. They got I mean they got uh, George C. Scott plays uh, George Number Three, which was originally Ed Bagley Senior. What are they saying about people who get on juries? Oh, it's it's a it's a tremendous tremendous movie. Both. Do they of even them allow twelve men on a jury now? No. Number six is The Dark Knight. Oh, wow. Very Did not see that rated. coming. Didn't see it. Number five is the good, the good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Sure. I'm Never seen it. Dearly, dearly love. Oh, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll spend an afternoon then. You've seen that? Uh, oh, please. At least, <laughs> at least <laughs> 10 to 15 times. As if he's never even heard of it. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Oh, it's beautiful. Tour de force. 
the perfect Tour, restaurant. Tour de France. Is it Tour de France? It's the, it was done on the Tour de France. They're all on bicycles. No horses. Listen, you, can, you can't say Tour de Force to two sports fans. <laughs> They're immediately going to think Tour de France. Oh. There's no chance we can let that lie. That's that cycling movie, right, with Kevin Costner? Breaking Away? Right. Breaking Bad? Breaking <laughs> Benjamin. Number four is Pulp Fiction. Private number Benjamin. Three and number two are The Godfathers. Richard number Benjamin. Number one. The number one consistently highly rated movie on IMDb is The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that yeah. That, I, that totally makes sense. People love is, that movie. Is there not a bit part in the Shawshank Redemption? Gotta Redemption be. A guy well, we've never seen. Cal, I'm disappointed you can't come up with one. For I, I really can't. I'm. I am. I could probably do TV shows. I can't do. I can't do movies. And I don't and Shawshank, movies. Shawshank's all. Uh, what about from know, the 80s? Known actors. That guy's. There, that there's guys. A, yeah, there's a ton of that guys in that. But what about from the 80s, Cal? Let's go back to our youth. I'm trying. How about I got another one for you. Ready? Yeah. Top Gun. Sundown. <laughs> Which, by the way, they named the black guy Sundown. That had to be his call sign. Really? Really? Mm. Really? In the 80s, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Hey, man, we could have had him. We could have had him, I'll, man. We could have had Harry him. Harry I'll have what she's having. Well, that's Rob Reiner's mother, right? What, what, what did she ever do? Right, it's Besides tremendous. Big Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. How about how about Goodfellas, and what's his name? Martin Scorsese's mother. You're always talking. No, that's that. She plays Pesci's mother. Mm-hmm. You're always talking. Who was the photographer in Brewster's Millions? Remember the guy they hired, I... right? Yes, he's a he might is he be that a guy though. That's see, that's where I'm running into problems. Is I'm coming up with things, but it's it's falling out of the criteria. Right, like the guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark that started this. We never saw him again. Right, we never saw him again. He was Jerry Orbach. No, I'm just kidding. He never heard of him. Brewster's Millions. That was a good movie. People just don't like that movie. Just don't like it. I love that movie. Yeah, I love I that never, movie too. Uh, I never, I never caught on to that. I gotta say, people get Joel very Weiss angry at that movie. I found Joel Weiss as the paparazzo. Is that that the guy you're talking about? That could, yeah, that's exactly who I'm talking about, and he's not a that guy. That's not him. It's oh, that's not him. Not him. Wrong Wait, there was another guy. guy. Different guy. He actually had a bigger role, that guy. The uh, photographer that I'm talking about had a bigger yep. role. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was hired by his store, Prairie Salvino. This is tough. Maybe it's David Wall. This is tough. I He is a that guy. He's very good at British Million. I, I, yeah. He's memorable. I remember there's, him. There's a ton of guys. I in got the, one. Oh. I got one. I got one. Go ahead. Uh, Godfather 2. Yes. Never saw that one. Fredo's wife. <laughs> Never marry a wop. <laughs> they treat their wives like guess. I didn't mean to say wop. That's tremendous. Tremendous call. You could you could even go Apollonia no, too. I almost Ooh. said Apollonia no. Apollonia <laughs> <laughs> Apollonia the whole. 
Apollonia, no. How about Apollonia? You could go her too. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Sure. Sure. Mickey. When are you going to take me to America, Mickey? By the way, Cal, the guy in Bruce's Millions, I should have known this. He's a total that guy. He also was like a graduate of Yale Drama School. Uh huh. Joe Gravasi. Ton of stuff. That name sounds familiar now. Oh, a ton of stuff. But oh, wow. he played, he, this is your favorite, he played Yogi Berra in The Bronx is Burning. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's he's worked a ton. And he played Phil Rizzuto in 61. Ha! <laughs> Guy's born to play a Yankee. Gee whiz. Joe Gravasi. Joe Gravasi, yeah, he's a, he's a that guy. All right. Benny and June, okay, Benny and June. Oh, Benny and June. Hmm. How about the how about the lady from the beginning scene of Jaws? Saturday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> That's not what she said. <laughs> and then she was eaten by a shark. That's Apollonia right. was. Yeah. In that, in that movie. That's what happened. Oh, you could go you could you, no, you're talking about Jaws. You gotta go the little boy's mother. Oh yeah, what's oh. her name? Never saw her again. Magnificent. She was a horrible actress, though. What? I thought she was a horrible oh. actress. Oh, we'll fight. No. Over the top. Too much. Are you kidding me? She slapped her so. I, I think she yeah. absolutely nailed that. I think she killed it, that I scene. Thought, I thought she was too much. Well, well, that, yes, that scene. When when she was on the beach, though, I thought she was a little too much. You had a problem with the screaming? Yeah, it was kind of... And neglectful. As a mother. You had a problem with her parenting? She could care. She had those big sunglasses. Do you care? How about the two old guys fishing on the pier and the one guy falls in the water? <laughs> Don't look back. Just keep swimming. Don't look back. <laughs> Am I the only guy who remembers that scene? <laughs> no. Everybody knows that scene. I just, I'm still taken by the fact that Cal <laughs> doesn't have a problem with <laughs> her, her acting as much as he does with her parenting. Mrs. Kittner. Yes. Her name well, is Lee Fierro. Lee Fierro. Mrs. Kittner. Is that one it. word? <laughs> She's like Prince. Lee Fierro? Lee Fierro. Fierro. Lee Fierro. Ah. Was she in Prince's band? <laughs> she was in Prince's band. That's the only other time you saw her. Along with, uh, who, was, who was the other one? Sheila E. Yeah. Chili. Who's the guitarist? Apollonia. No, Apollonia was not a guitarist. She was an actress. Oh. She was not in the band. Who was the guitarist? The female guitarist? The female guitarist in Prince's band. Uh, Cheryl Crow. No, it wasn't Cheryl Crow. <laughs> Are you sure? No, that's not who I'm thinking of. It might have been Cheryl Crow. I'm... No, Cheryl Crow played for Michael Jackson. Come on, PJ. Yeah, Who was the female guitarist in Startlingly Prince? I don't know a thing about Prince. I am almost positive. Is that Apollonia. He's one of my blind all, spots. I just, I just don't know. We all cried foul there. How is that even possible? I know very Donna little Gra about Prince. Donna Grantis, the best female guitar player Prince ever had. That wasn't her. That's not who we're looking for. All right, 
Well, while you're searching for this, I'm going to play the uh, the going out music because we are way over time, way over. Who cares? <laughs> All right. DJ, final news. Albums of the week. I just picked up two new reissues of older bands. Um, it's, wouldn't really call them hits, but they're compilations from The Replacements and The Jam. You want to go back and do a little rock and roll history, see where it all came from, pick up those two albums. They're good. Next time someone starts talking about Green Day, you throw The Jam out album at them. They shut up. The jam. You told them where to go and how to get there. Cal, final unload. Yeah, I don't see Apollonia anywhere. Uh, ten years ago tonight, ten years ago tonight, Roger Clemens won his 300th game as a New York Yankee. My wife started having very severe pains in her stomach. I thought the two were related. Turns out, little Julia Grace came a couple hours later. So happy birthday, the tenth birthday, to my daughter Julia. Oh, happy birthday! Wow, tremendous, tremendous. Associate that with Roger Clemens. I was there. I was there. I know you were there. Yeah, I was the only person not standing up to give him a round of applause. <laughs> That's right. And my final unload is simply a two-word review. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my final unload is, hey, everybody, uh, if you're in the New York City area, seriously, come out next week. It's our last live one at Blue Haven for a while. We would really love to see you, and uh, it's really going to be a good time. We're going to talk New York sports. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. So really, my final unload is I really want to see everybody out next week. I want people to treat it like as if the band is playing. <laughs> So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you, Cal, and getting to do the show next week and um, hearing PJ on the phone. Apparently, if he's in the same place as the two of us at the same time doing the show, an angel weeps or something. I don't know. Angel falls from heaven. I don't believe in any of those things. All right. We will see you next week live at Blue Haven. Good night, Peach. Good night, Cal. Good night. Good night, you. You princes of New Hampshire. You. <laughs> I got into Michael Caine. It's late. Good night. Corrected. You. You princes of Rome. <laughs> you little bastards. Good night.